So, this is goodbye. I think it's about time we got underway ourselves. Captain, I have orders from Starfleet Command. We're to put back to space dock immediately to be decommissioned. If I were human, I believe my response would be go to hell. If I were human. Course heading, Captain. Second start of the ride. And straight on till morning. Do you expect me to talk? Welcome to episode 48 of Do You Expect Us To Talk? I'm Becca, as always. I'm joined by the lovely Chris, Dave and Charlie of Films and Wax. Hi guys, how are you doing? Um, good, thank you. I'm fine. What about you, Charlie? I'm excellent, thank you. Excellent. Hello. Superb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, drinking, I'm drinking some blackcurrant Robinsons. Other juices are available. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but no one buys them, so... This podcast is sponsored by... No. Robinson's. <laughs> the official non-alcoholic drink of... Do you expect us to talk? <laughs> not to be confused with the dry wine spits Aurora wanked off, not fingered. <laughs> Remember, folks, bourbon biscuits are our official biscuits. <laughs> you could have picked a more boring biscuit, bourbon biscuits. This has gone really off track, right? <laughs> Hidden creaminess. Give me a custard cream any day. Yeah, I They're thought just it was all the way. Exa- I, I had you pinned. I had you pinned down. No, I fucking didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly as my next words were going to be da- jammy Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> Is that jam on it? No. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Becca's really not controlling us tonight, is she? <laughs> Is that jam, is that jam on it? Is, is mm. that jam on it? Only once a month, but... <laughs> <laughs> Have you been <gasps> fighting? No. <clears throat> <laughs> is that, you know, the decorators have been in, you know. Yeah. You never see them, like, wallpapered afterwards, so do you? <laughs> or a stray stepladder left down there. <laughs> well, you know, we, we like to tidy around afterwards. Do you? <laughs> More on that later as Becca's glorious return to fun facts. <laughs> have we got fun facts today? I've got quite yeah. fun facts. They're all about being on the blob. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> as a token female of this troupe, I can assure you that they are not. 
like how you first, like how you first saw was the token female. I know. That was just about to say that. I'm the only one. He's only here for a quota. <laughs> I'm the only one. <laughs> Let's oh. ask Ahmed what he thinks about that. <laughs> Let's ask a poo. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing tonight? <laughs> See, this is why I couldn't do the introduction last week because Dave doesn't make me laugh, and my face hurt for the whole entire section of the beginning of the podcast. And now history okay. is repeating itself, and it's just like, ah. Anyway, let's talk about Star Trek Six, shall we? All right, then go on. <laughs> Otherwise known as the Undiscovered Country, starring <gasps> Deep Breath, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, Michelle Nichols, George Takei, Ott Koenig, James Doohan. Kim Cattrall, Mark Lemon, Mark Lemon, Mark, Mark Lemon, <laughs> Mark Lemon, Jack Lemon. <laughs> right, start again. Mark Lemon, Kurtwood Smith, Christopher Plummer, Marissa DeSoto. That's a lie. Her name's Rosanna DeSoto. No, David she's Warner. Not, so now we've just renamed it. Okay, I'll start from Rosanna DeSoto. No, it's all right. This is all getting left in, so keep going. <laughs> David Warner, Iman, and if you can spot him, Christian Slater. With a score oh, by Cliff Oh, good, yeah, me too. So did Zulu. Score by Cliff Edelman, written by Nicholas Mayer and Denny Martin Finn. Directed by Nicholas Mayer and released, well, in the US in 1991 and in the UK in 1992. So, and what did we think? Passed by Mary Jo Slater, mother yeah. of Christian Slater. Christian Slater's mum, don't you know? Bonus yeah. fun fact people. I'm sure that's got nothing to do with his uh, brief fame. I've got another fun fact as well. Apparently, he's got his seven hundred fifty dollar paycheck from that walk-on part framed. Uh, he uh, he worked for scale then. He really did. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the the film was also um this part, part of this um a couple of the writers also credited on the story as well were uh, two guys called uh, Lawrence Connor and uh, have I forgotten their names again. Hang on, give me two it's seconds. Catching, Charlie, it's catching. It is. Um, Hope you're enjoying this at home as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fact-checking live. Yeah. You yeah. two can Google at home and see if yeah. you can yeah. find the names before While we're me. waiting, there was your, happy um, 91st birthday to Angela <laughs> Lansbury. Um, Lawrence Connor and Mark Rosenthal, who um, are a pair of writers that also wrote... I know Mark Rosenthal. Another uh, famous... Um, Blockbuster sequel, they Superman did. for the Quest for Peace. Yeah, Mark Rosenthal does a does a commentary on the on the film on Superman Four, and it is basically I think the film's only about eighty four minutes or something. It's about eighty four minutes of him just going, "This is crap. I'm sorry." <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Not literally those words, but the whole film is, "This is terrible. We're really sorry." <laughs> but you notice know, know, it's kind of like an eighty five minute a... apology. Pretty much. <laughs> There's a, a similar theme there with the whole kind of dismantling of nuclear, of, of kind of weapons and stuff like that and the Cold War kind of thing. Yeah. But um, other than Although that, the I'm story sure idea looking... for that was Christopher Reeves, to be fair. That's true, yeah. Thanks, Christopher. Rest in peace. So, what do we make of Star Trek Six? I think Becca should go first because uh, this is a first viewing of Star Trek Six, isn't it? So, it'll be a lot more interesting to see what uh, a newcomer's taken it. Yeah, our opinions are crap. <laughs> You're not I'm, shit. Plus, Becca always goes last anyway, so it's nice to, you know, Becca go first. Yeah. Oh, yes. thank you. 
Well, kind of at the halfway point-ish, maybe next week, perhaps. I don't know. Um, no, just that I um, I just commented earlier online that I just I enjoyed this a lot more than last week's film. Um, I think maybe because it's more um, tonally, it's all together um, in terms of like the lighting, the music, um, cinematography as well. Um, so, in other words, just a better film. It's generally way. better. There's there's some wobbly script aspects, and obviously Shatner is very Shatnery. But yeah, it's, it's the last film you know to feel, to feature the. Uh, the original um the original crew and it's you know it's nice kind of like coda to the arc of the series but yeah i just think production values are higher um script is better despite some dodgy lines and just you know makeup cinematography costumes everything is better generally than the last week's film um no i just enjoyed it a little more um and it may rank quite high when we come to do the, the rankings yeah so that's what i made of it this week i think to me it's um it's second to Khan so far there are there are elements of it I do have problems with. I mean, this, this film is based around a murder mystery that, if you've ever seen a film, you'll know the you'll know who did it immediately, um, because basically you've got um, all the crew we've known for twenty five years and another one, and Spock suspects the butler. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so that's not very good. They are too old by this point. Um, the film makes kind of a virtue of it in that it's a. Uh, it's a final mission. It is about challenging the prejudices they've sort of grown up with through their career. The uh, It has allowed people to move on. Sulu's been promoted and so on. So it doesn't make a problem of it. But in some respects, when I look at The Wrath of Khan, yes, they're an older cast. But frankly, if you'd given me three series of a te- television show in that world, I would have been really happy. By now, they're too old. They need to be retired off. But the film's terrific. Nicholas Mayer's back. He's very, very good with those sorts of themes. Very good at the passage of time um, and the challenging of what you once thought about things. Um, terrific film. And I, I, I think of the films we've seen so far, I almost discount the motion picture from this because the motion picture is so different. So if that appeals to your sensibility, then yeah, I would imagine that would be in the mix. But for me... I wouldn't argue with anyone who put this top. Um, I don't agree. I think The Wrath of Khan is still the best film in the series, but there's enough in this film that it gives it a run for its money. I think it's terrific. Yeah, I'm kind of the, the same with um, David Becker. Um, it's my first cinematic Star Trek. Um, I saw it when I was a kid, uh, and I've not seen a Star Trek film in cinema since uh, the J.J., you know, it started a long life of fandom. Yeah, no, but it, no, but I, I, I do remember watching this fondly, and um, and I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy it. And funny enough, it's not a film that I've come to rewatch that often enough. So, um, but I, again, I, I really like it. It's like Rafa Khan. It's just a really solid, solid, well, t- well told story. Um, uh, the, the, the murder mystery. I don't have too much of a problem with, but. I see Dave's point. <laughs> you know, it, it is like, well, you know, who, who the fuck can it be? But what, but what, 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 what I noticed about um, this now was I like the kind of like subtleties of, of how it's actually handled. You know, like I know, I know who the who the culprit is, and now I'm like, you see the performance of like of how it's playing. It kind of it's it's kind of played quite well, I think. You know, even though it's you know it's in terms of process from elimination. It's fairly obvious, but you know, I, I think I think the film is is really well done. You got a good villain. Um, I think I, I really like the design of the Klingons. Don't you know? They actually look like different 
uh, set of Klingons, not like the usual sort of like um, typical Klingon we're used to. You know, it's got a different sort of set design. So, um, yeah, generally, I really, I really like it. It's uh, it's dealing with themes. Um, Kirk is pretty angry in this one. I I, I noticed, um, which after watching these films um, in order now, I kind of thought it was a bit out of context. I thought I don't not quite sure he'd be that angry um, with Klingons in general, uh, but you know, but for the purpose of the story. You know, it it works fine, um, but yeah, no, I, I really like this one. Walter Koenig's makeup is the worst thing ever. He has the best um, hair, though. He has the best hair. Well, I noticed. Yeah, I don't know there's, where he pulled it. There's there's one scene, and I know this is a weird thing to start on, um, <clears throat> where he's he finds the Klingon blood, and he looks at it through this little gadget thing, and he's just caked with makeup and he eyeliner. Is. And, and the other thing like, is. It, it doesn't actually sell me that it's a gadget to look at to examine the blood. It no. looks like a gadget for him to examine his own eye because of the way <laughs> the does. light goes on yeah, it. Yeah, the light shines on his eye rather than I, actually I, on the blood. I noticed isn't it? that it is very, very. Uh, he's very, very overmade up. Uh, Leonard Dimoy is as well. I think to be fair, because obviously if you've got the Star Trek Stardate collection, you watch this on Blu-ray. It's not, you know, the heavy makeup coupled with the. 90s special effects. Um, Blu-ray isn't kind to this particular movie, I don't think. Yeah, they um, look like um, they're from Madame Two Swords. They do, sadly. They yeah, do Char- look Charlie, If you haven't seen this, it's not that it's a poor transfer, per se, in that it's not grainy or, you know, deteriorated or anything like that. Charlie made the point, because when he said it was a poor transfer, I thought that's what he was referring to. And I, and I kind of disagreed, but it, what Charlie was saying was uh, digital noise reduction on it. Um, it's very like the Golden Eye transfer in that regard. That it actually ends up taking detail out of people's faces. Yeah, it's kind of where um, some people in the Blu-ray age, it's kind of they they've they're getting mixed up, and they're I don't know if it's an algorithm or if it's just a studio decision, but they're not kind of understanding the importance of grain in film the physical film that this was shot on so they kind of go for it with this noise reduction program and uh some of the times they do it very very lightly and it is just to kind of bring out the best in the picture and other times they kind of do it with a trowel and um, predator was a particularly bad one they did a special edition of predator and it was just the worst thing ever because everyone just plastic and there was no detail at all Everyone was smooth. It was like watching Predator in Lazy Town. Um, Lazy Town, oh dear. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, yeah, and they did it here. And it, it's worse in the, the Voyage Home out of that set. And unfortunately, especially with the 50th anniversary and this big new box set they've done of all the films and all the TV shows, they didn't bother to go to back and do any of them but Khan. Um, which is kind of sad and one of the reasons why the 50th anniversary um, from Paramount has been kind of a bit of a wet blanket, really. Um, but the film is, is terrific. Um, I, yeah, I, Khan is a better film. Um, I like the motion picture more and uh, emotionally it doesn't grab me as much as the Citrus Block, which is why it kind of wavers maybe a bit below that on my eventual ranking, but we'll get back to that all um, later on, obviously. Um, 
I'm not 100% sure about all the Shakespeare. Sometimes it works really well sometimes, but sometimes it does feel a bit too much of a kind of retread of Wrath of Khan and the whole Moby Dick thing. And especially since it's kind of the thing about Klingons in the original, Shakespeare in the original Klingon and things like that. And it's kind of where you would have understand understood um, more with uh, Moby Dick being a, uh, a Terran, as they call it, novel um, with Khan. But um, so kind of Chang spouting all of it uh, does get a bit kind of annoying after a while. It, it, it um, is pretty much just like, I don't know, let's just do all the quotes for the sake of it. Yeah. It, it, it is a co- bit like that. <laughs> Especially the to be or not to be um, bit. I, I, I suppose it's like she's won in at the end. Um, yeah. But, um, I mean, it's, it's certainly not a deal breaker. Um, I'm not a massive fan of the kind of Ruripente stuff. Um, but it looks, it's, it's a beautifully shot film. Um, it's got to be dangerous and... being left out in all those Lux flakes like that. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't look cold at all. They look quite, like, quite did soft. That, it, it was anyone, did anyone think that looked even remotely like snow? No. It looked like if it's movie uh, snow. Yeah, if you look. Yeah. yeah. But I've seen much, much better movie snow than that. Oh yeah. It looks but, like it does look like those Lux hand wash flakes you used to be able to get. <laughs> you might still be able to. I don't know. Showing your age, Dave. Yeah. But, but how many movies give us Shatner versus Shatner? That was um, amazing. A little, a little bit of a callback to the enemy within. I'm Captain Kirk. Oh, um, that's fantastic. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Not to but I, I'm going to put that on the Facebook page. <laughs> we'll do it now. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really well acted. I think even the the original cast give it a really good go. Um, there's the, one the bit, last hurrah, there's, isn't it? Really? Yeah, there's there's one bit with Uhura which we'll get to later when we actually go sequentially through the film that kind of rubbed me up a bit the wrong way. Um, I think Shatner's really good. Nimoy's really good. Kim Cattrall's really good. Again, yeah, it's obvious who did it. Um, because of uh, who she is, although it's notable, noted that um, she was originally supposed to see, be Savic. Yes. Yes, she's another not Savic. <clears throat> yeah. Kim it, it would have been like a much better twist. It would have been Savic. You wouldn't think oh, I wouldn't be her then. Well, it would, but bear in mind we've not seen her. So I know we saw her at the start of four. Yeah. But we haven't really seen her since three. <laughs> she's been missing from a couple of films. To just bring her back, I think you would still have the same problem. If she'd mm. been in every film, less so. Yeah. Okay. But even so, it, it's not. It doesn't really ruin the film. But there's no subtlety in this film. I mean, if you if you don't look no, at it, if you no. don't look at it, I mean, some of the dialogue has a lot more subtlety in it. But certainly in its design, um, I mean, you look at Kim Cattrall, it's obviously her. And you look at General Chang, and that's just, you know, he's bald with an eye patch nailed into his head. Um, that tells yeah, you everything that, you need to know. And, and, and his big faces on the poster as well, like, sort of as the, as the kind of, like, the, the nemesis yeah. type thing. Yeah, so, you know, all, yeah I mean, I, there's no saga that he is a villain in the film. I don't think the film kind of pretends that he, that he isn't, you know. Uh, you know, it's just for the sake of the plot that it's kind of, but like, it puts the, the But it, it does put a fair bit of time to that murder mystery. Yeah. So I think we are supposed to go. <gasps> I, I think I, I think what I think the reason why I don't see a problem with it uh, uh, specifically is because it. You it, thought it was. You thought it was Uhura. No, 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 no. Um, it's Shatner all along. Well, no, it's just that sort of thing. It's it's something to do, you know, while the the crew figure out what's what's going on. 
uh, while while Shatner and McCoy are ex- are trying to escape the Klingon prison planet thing. Mm. You know, it's you know, it's it's that kind of like power of two stories. Like, and, and even if like the the murder mystery doesn't I say grab you, what doesn't matter is you got all the stuff with on the prison planet. You know, it's not like to it's not like oh crap, we've got to sit for like forty minutes while you know figure out you know with this bullshit murder mystery. You got this other stuff as well, so it's not as it, you know, it's not not as troublesome. Troublesome. I, I don't particularly mind it because you got other things going going with it. It's like a race against time to kind of like find more or less the proof that you know the Enterprise then didn't do it, so uh, to speak. So I kind of felt like the the um the mystery element wasn't really a mystery as well. I just agree with all you guys, um because it's, it's obviously her, and it's just one of those things you think mm, you know it's always the person that you least suspect. So, but anyway, yeah, carry on. <laughs> I think it is nice that the film has plenty going on simply because certainly three and four, um, not always to their detriment, but we described both of them as quite thin. Last week was thin as well. And last, no, sorry, it wasn't four so much really, was it? But certainly, yeah, three and five, not a hell of a lot going on in some respects. Well, yeah, well, four was thin, but it wasn't as troublesome. It wasn't like, that wasn't the issue with it, really. It, it managed it okay. But yeah, three and five. So yeah, they, they've they've packed in a lot of this, and they've they've managed the, oh the running times very very well indeed. So yeah, there's a lot a lot of positive things to say about this. It had a it had a number of good sequences in it as well. Um, I mean, I know like the some of the special effects are very questionable now, but the whole like uh, assassination uh, on the on the Klingon ship uh, that kind of starts that drives the plot forward. Is you know with the bit where there's with all like in zero gravity and the, and the blood just like you know the purple blood sort of like float, floating everywhere. I think that's a really really good idea. It's just a shame that it looks crap now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 I mean, it, I, I I think maybe crap is a bit harsh, but well, I think yeah, because because it is it was right at the edge of the the digital revolution because yeah. this was what nineteen 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 ninety one, um, so you just had uh, the abyss um which had the kind of the, the worm thing the pseudo worm that was like a massive thing and then the same year um you had terminator 2 but then you look at um which which both was was ilm um but then you look at uh, star trek's budget was 27 million terminator 2's budget was 102 million um so, uh, so understandably, it's going to. Yeah. Uh, I know, and the hairpiece bit yeah. of this film would have been quite high as well. Wigville <laughs> <laughs> was massive. So it's kind of this this, this crossover as well, where kind of the models are kind of almost started to be phased out a little bit. I mean, they kind of went on a bit further into the next generation era um, before. I think it was um, Insurrection. I think when they kind of. Flip to uh, to to doing uh, mostly digital um, and CGI, but there's the, the wave as well. The the praxis wave that is now that was it's kind of almost kind of understated what cultural impact that had to the point where you, when the the special edition of Star Wars came out, um, they added those waves to the explosion. To is they've added the praxis effect. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like so. It's it's interesting, the kind of the legacy this this film does have in in effects. And then they added Christian Slater waking up Han Solo. (laughs) 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 Um, 
Waller while not um, being that showy. Um, one, uh, uh, just a little thing about the murder mystery thing. It's, it's um, again, it's a very Nicholas Meyer thing. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how many know that Nicholas Meyer um, wrote some Sherlock Holmes stories, and one of the stories he wrote, which is called The 7% Solution, is generally regarded as the best Sherlock Holmes story ever written, um, even amongst the, uh, the Arthur Conan Doyle stuff. Didn't so, he do I, a film where we like that Sherlock Holmes has to travel back in time to uh, uh, travel H. like H. forward into time to catch um, Jack the Ripper? Jack the Ripper, yeah, that was time after time with yeah. uh, Malcolm McDowell and David Warner from this film, and we'll see the previous film in a different role as well. He's in Star Trek <laughs> yeah. Five. They um, a trilogy, and uh, and yeah, he was so Malcolm McDowell played um, H. G. Wells and come kind of forward in time to. It sounds it's just it's just such a random idea. It's like I have to see this film, I'm not yeah, 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 got catch it yet. Yeah, same, it's um, really intriguing, but I'll have to catch it at some point. Hmm. But yeah, it's, it's it's a terrific film, Star Trek Six. And um yeah, it's really, really good. We can make it a part of a, an official David Warner trilogy. I mean that film, this film and Time After Time. You've got some weird ideas for future shows. <laughs> <laughs> loosely start the same actor somewhere along but the way. It'd have to be a quadrilogy of Chain of Command. Oh, that would, that's it. Yeah, have you guys seen Chain of Command yet? No, I haven't. Wait, wait, is this, um, which one's that? It's season six, um, Next Generation, double no. episode. No, no, no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to start um, it tonight. Sadly. There are four lights, you'd remember it from that. You oh, do, is, oh, is, you that, have is that four lights that. one? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. But you haven't seen it, you just know of it, yeah? Yeah. Well, I know, because of Four Lights. Yeah, he's he's there trying to... Because apparently, Chris, they were worried the Cardassians had a metagenic weapon. Well, I think we're all worried about that, but... We're all worried. <laughs> what are we yeah. concerned about that one? I oh, know. It's better than four candles. <laughs> Can you imagine, can you imagine if that was it? If he'd been tied up and then out walks like Ronnie Corbett. Candles <laughs> <laughs> are forked, what? Well, no, it'd be one there, there, are, there are four candles. You put four, there are four candles. <laughs> candles for forks. Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. Don't worry. Why you strip Patrick Stewart naked for that? I don't know. <laughs> I wonder um, if in an alternate world, David Warner sat somewhere going, and even before he could get his knickers on, I'd seen everything. <laughs> I'll try and get him on the show. Who? <laughs> <laughs> David Warner. <laughs> to see it, right? Okay. <laughs> Let us tell us what happened. Stop. It was inside scoop. Can you imagine if you'd erased that and that was your first question? I don't think you'd get so, much, would you? So, no. uh, you're, you've had a lot to do with Star Trek over the years. When you were in Chain of Car, uh, did you see his knob? Did <laughs> <laughs> his bell end up a full load of hair? <laughs> Can you get up and walk out the room? Yeah, did you, did you see Patrick Sue's Picard? <laughs> <laughs> uh, pick hard or pick flatted <laughs> questions not to ask in an interview <laughs> shall we discuss this film sequentially yes I think we should All right. I think it's nice that this film was dedicated to the memory of obviously Jeff, Jeff? <laughs> Gene Roddenberry <laughs> <laughs> I'm not with it tonight I'm really sorry I'm not with it at all <laughs> Jeff, if you're listening, <laughs> this film's for you. When Jeff Roddenberry, Jeff Roddenberry's from <laughs> Hobo sat in the middle of, uh, in, of in the middle of LA, 
angry that his brother that robbed him of Star Trek <laughs> fame and fortune. This reminds me of that, Star- that Red Dwarf episode. Uh, yeah, he's that American King got shot. Yeah, JFK. No, it was John something, not Jeff K. I'm just going to shut up now because I can't talk this evening. Anyway, carry on. Brilliant. Star Trek 6. Yeah. I thought the credits mark mark this out as actually more dated than any of the other films. It's just the colour scheme, the effects. They look very much from the same era as like the Fresh Prince, Blossom and all those sorts of things. It screams early 90s, this film. Purple. Yeah. Yeah, the the the, um, the credits sort of very purple, and then and then like when the the moon explodes and you just like this big purple wave, I just thought they really love fucking purple in this film. <laughs> no, it's that... well, so a big purple theme running through it. Yeah, Becca, is that what you meant when you said that Blu-ray wasn't kind to this film? Did you mean that more than the digital noise reduction? Um, bit of both, really. I mean, it was that just in terms of like the detail as well. I mean, we mentioned that scene um, where Chukov examines the kind of the slate uh, you know a bit of blood there and you can see all the makeup that's caked on his face but yeah in terms of like noise reduction and the, the digital effects the um, risk there is cross-contamination the lab results come back and it's definitely <laughs> Rev- it's definitely revlon <laughs> or the yeah. eagle 5000 or whatever it was <laughs> the, 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 the credits are kind of embossed as well aren't they they are they look a bit different kind of um it's it's there's um one thing on on the music um Nicholas Meyer originally his plan was to get um, was to use Holst's um, the Planet Suite. Yes. Um, sorry if I just ruined a fun fact. No, I haven't. You, know, you haven't at all. No, I was just literally, I was really stupid. I was thinking, what does that sound like? Mm-mm-mm. I've literally just hit the nail on the head. Like, yes, it is. It's like I can't even think. Is it, is it Mars? No. Is it the Mars, Mars a day. Mars and work Neptune. rest and play. Neptune. Neptune. That was it. Neptune. Those the two that I was thinking of, and I was thinking, oh, where does that? Where does that remind me of? Oh. Yeah. And, and yeah, Planet Suite is what I was thinking of. Yeah. So, um, and when he when they when he wasn't able to get the rights to to use it, um, he brought in this guy called Cliff Eiderman, who at the time wasn't really kind of um, much experience at all, and was really quite young. Um, is what's it, he best is... known for? Known for now, Charlie? Star Trek Six. Really? Okay. Yeah. It, um, is, was it a thing for him? Because because obviously when he did Rafagani, he got on like a young James Horner. So I, is it a thing for him to like like to like to get like young uh, composers and give them almost like a a big break almost? Well, my I guess would be last last year's last the last film we covered looked cheap and underdone, and it had a thirty three million budget. This is at twenty seven. So I think it, it, cost cutting's got to come into their thinking. Mm. Yeah, and also it kind of it, apparently he just sent in his demo and he really liked his demo, um, and he kind of they kind of gave him a bit of kind of an idea of the kind of their classical influence. For instance, the um, so the, the opening credits, um, which is kind of really different to the normal Star Trek kind of credits. Um, where instead of kind of the big march kind of type thing, it's actually something that is building up to that opening explosion, um, which is all kind of based on um, Stravinsky's um, The Firebird. Um, ah, that's it. So a lot of uh, kind of influence in there coming in. I think this this film is kind of, there's a lot of classical influences. It's very literary as well. So I think yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of meaning in there as well. Yeah, it's it's very, I mean, you can see, particularly if you know Star Trek The Next Generation, 
you can see see last week they didn't even cover it at all you you know they're walking down a corridor and it's the enterprise day without any question at all they cover it a little better here but there's no doubt when they're having dinner with the klingons they're on the observation lounge for from the enterprise d there's no doubt about that and there are sets you see that are clearly redresses of something else it is mentioned on the commentary, but I would have spotted it anyhow. Ten forward is definitely used in 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 one one scene or, or a couple of scenes, in fact. So there's a lot of corner cutting in this. Um, so to actually get what you did out of it in terms of space battles, and that was reasonably impressive. And and also you you at least they've kind of they've tried to light it a lot differently than Next Generation was lit. Yes. Uh, so there's quite a lot of. of I mean, Maya with Ratha Khan as well, kind of the darker kind of lighting, much more kind of um, realistic um, lighting for that, at least realistic within that universe, is yeah. something that uh, kind of fits, especially with, with the film's tone as well and uh, the kind of seriousness of the, uh, of, of the themes of the film. So we start off with basically Sulu's in command of the Excelsior. Yeah, and um, he spends a lot of time obviously doing that. Um, but yeah, we, yeah, yeah, you're drinking tea. Yeah, definitely. He doesn't do much. Well, he doesn't do very much in this film, is he? Apart from Captain the Excelsior. And um... <laughs> yeah, same with Kirk. Does fuck all except Captain shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't see him very much. In this and what spot they're doing? Fucking opening. <laughs> but he, he gets he gets woken up by Christian Slater. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he gets caught up in the um, in the explosion and, and sends the, the, the he lets you know the Federation know. Yeah, because I guess that's the thing that he he kind of only kind of comes in as a kind of third act. We need help, kind of thing. Yeah, it didn't spend. My point is that he doesn't have a lot of screen time. No, yeah, that was my but point. Sorry. I've got to say, Sulu looks really good as captain. He looks alright, mm. doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I kept thinking, like, can we just follow him? <laughs> Um, like a movie spin-off with, you know, Star Trek Excelsior. Yeah, what do you reckon they'd call it, Becca? Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I like this. I, I really, yeah, he's... And he's a kind of no-nonsense captain as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like it. And Praxis has blown up. It's basically one of the moons of Kronos, the Klingon homeworld. Um, and the fallout from that has basically damaged or destroyed the Klingon ozone layer, and they've got about 50 years of oxygen left. Mm. Um, and let, I don't, presumably they can do something about it because Kronos still exists at the time of the next generation and so <laughs> on. But they've it's a Cold War allegory because basically the West won the Cold War by basically uh, getting Russia to commit more than it can afford to the arms race. And that's what the Klingons have done. They've got a massive, massive military budget that they now all of a sudden can't afford because they've got to turn their money elsewhere. And that, uh, it's that money that the Star Trek universe doesn't have. Yes, of course. Yeah, no money. Um, and uh, and as, as well, this was kind of supposed to be a, uh, a, a, a um, allegory as well for Chernobyl and the whole thing that happened there. It's again much like four. There is an environmentalist sort of bet to this, mm. without any question. Yeah, it's very uh, kind of like nineties sort of environmentalism politics. Mm. Um, and obviously, well, you know, the Klingons are generally stand-ins for Russians, aren't they? Where neon we go, so. colours. I think, yeah, 
yeah. the 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 um the idea came from Leonard Nimoy as what if the wall came down in space? Yeah. So it, it is a reaction to what we saw with the Berlin Wall coming down and so on in this era. Uh, so the next thing we see, we stay with Klingon, or we stay there for a bit, and then we end up with uh, basically we're at um, San Francisco at Starfleet headquarters. Mm. And yeah, Kirk turns up. Uh, with the crew minus Spock going like why are we here I don't, I don't know what's going on mm. uh, Spock? Yeah. Spock there he is <laughs> and Spock turns up with um, do we see Kurtwood Smith in this scene I don't, I'm not sure if we do no no because it's, 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 it's all Starfleet military personnel is, yeah. is, is, in the future, is he in Klingon Kurtwood Smith or is he in like an no he's Peter no, Stringfellow Peter Stringfellow is president <laughs> okay. of, of, of Earth. He's president. Clarence Bodiker in the Witness Relocation Program. It is. That's the one. It is. Yeah. And a wig and contact lenses. Just imagine if you had some of Clarence Bodiker's dialogue in this. The world's gone upside <laughs> down. He's a good guy, and you've got Peter Weller as the bad guy in a few films' time. <gasps> Charlie isn't a fan. That's Star Trek Into Darkness, folks, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you're right about Shatner being angry, because basically Kirk, uh, out comes Spock and basically says, we will, we are looking to enter talks to start shutting down our facilities along the neutral zone because it's a conflict they can't afford anymore. He explains that they've got 50 years to go and then basically says uh, he's vouched for Kirk to go and escort them, escort the, uh, mm. the Klingon... Um, well, what is he? He's, he's uh, council um, ambassador. Uh, ambassador. Yeah, the, the Klingon High Council. Um, it's all his fault, really. Yes, and and Kirk is furious, and I, I always read it less as you know I hate Klingons, uh, and more as yes I do hate Klingons, and what are you actually doing talking for me? Yeah, because yeah. the the, the yeah, moment exactly. he says you personally have vouched. To, to uh, just just really really angrily at the point that he put him forward for. The, He's like, how dare you? Yeah, I, I think I think like yeah, dialogue. People. I like that make the make that what was really kind of like, uh, oh, um, really really angry was the sort of he goes, let them die. You know, it's like you know, it's like literally like you just hate. You know, it's like I'm, I have no problem just letting them die. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting that um, that 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 it starts off with conflicts between Kirk and Spock. Mm. Something we're not used to. Roddenberry's dead. Let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he sent to he sent basically towards uh, the neutral zone to pick up the ambassador Gorkon, and he's not happy about it. They're really quite nervy. I think the dinner scene's great. They basically they're invited ab- aboard. They invite the Klingons ab- aboard the Enterprise D apparently um, to have dinner. Um, and Chekhov has that line, my favorite line in the film. It's <laughs> just coming to dinner. Oh God! Uh, oh, did, did you not like it, Becca? I didn't know. What? It's, it's a it's a good line, and it's like kind of iconic now in in Starship. But as that well, be, but I it's didn't very enjoy it. on the nose. Yeah, and that's I, why I didn't I like wonder, it. <laughs> I wonder how many people got it, understood it because of the, obviously the film. Yeah, and that's why obviously um, the Chronicles refused to say it. Yeah, because the yeah, because there was the line. Yeah, give it to you, the black lady, brilliant. Yeah, because <laughs> there, there was another line as well saying, "Would you want your?" 
kind of yeah, 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 along the lines to of marry one of those or something like that. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and to be honest, that dinner scene you can it's kind of watching it in two ways. You watch it and you see kind of like the the kind of the humorous kind of interludes, but then you watch it as well, and it's kind of really uncomfortable when you kind of the attitudes of the Enterprise crew towards. Yeah, it's very awkward. Afterwards, we've not covered ourselves in glory either. I think the I think the Enterprise crew are quite graceless in yeah. the way they deal with this, and I, I like the fact that Mayer is never ashamed to show the characters having flaws. Yeah, and you know, they don't have to be perfect. Yeah, I think what it is, it's just two peop- uh, two different sides coming together pretty much for the first time in a way that they never have. I mean, they've never sat down to have a meal. They've always either like been at war with each other or kind of, you know, either avoiding, you know, to, in, in, in a manner of respect. So, so this is like, okay, well, this is a bit awkward. Uh, what do we do from it? You know, and, and and you tell that like, and they go with let's get pissed. Yeah, the the, the Klingons, the Klingons, like from the get go, they're they're there with like the the napkins and the rings are like, the, what are these? Are these napkins? Like, I love that the detail. They they end up sort of dropping it in their lap from quite a <laughs> yeah. and it's it's all really uncomfortable. I, I do like, and that's got to be the director. You know, there's some yeah. good actors out there, but the director has picked up on these little details that he wants to see. Um, and you've got Scotty, you know, saying, well, maybe this is the start of whatever it was he says. Mm. He's trying to be conciliatory and looking a bit awkward. And it's just really, uh, it is uncomfortable. And neither side are, uh, the, the, the Klingons are needling and the humans, if you like, or the Federation are being kind of a bit childish. Uh, yeah, um, possibly for perfectly understandable reasons, because no one really wants to be there. And they've got to sort of play nice, mm. but this is this is this is much more not just because of the set. This is much more sort of this film is sort of a much more next generation in in its theme. Yeah, because also there's the bit where Uhura says, "So do you like Shakespeare?" So that guy, and then is disgusted at him eating his food in yeah. what we would consider a much more primitive yes. way. Um, yeah, because they use their hands a lot more, and they basically stuff it in their faces. Exactly. Yeah. But that's kids. just what they do. Yeah. Exactly. And they're saying poor table manners, and that didn't quite ring true. Because I'm thinking, no, hang on a minute. You you are used to different races doing things different ways. Yeah, yeah. it's what they might do in their own culture, but also it's not something that they're used to. You know. But the the general the general point that the the, the scene is awkward. I think yeah. it's well played by everybody. Absolutely. And the most mature person in the room is David Warner's character, Gorkon. Yeah, he's sure. like the For most sure. unklingon person. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's the, most, the most human, almost, and, and, you know, if, if, it, and if you see what I mean. I was saying like, about his design, he's like, and, and also um, Chang as well. Like, they, all, they both look like completely different uh, design by character. And look, you know, we don't see Klingons who look like this before, you know. It's no, I, I must say, I do, I do yeah, like well, the designs and looks of the Klingons, I think, because cool. previous films have been a bit more, like, generic, but here yeah. they all seem yeah. a bit different, slight differences, um, I think. It's something cool. I've never noticed before, sorry. Gorkon, sorry. Um, yeah, Gorkon's based on Abraham Lincoln, his look, and the, the beard as well. Um, yes. And uh, apparently a bit of Captain Ahab as well. Um, oh, okay. To make it not too obvious about his, his, his character. No, I can um, see that as well. But yeah, it's kind of like you when you when you think that 
because Star Trek is from the point of view of the Federation, then um, all we see of the Klingons is really what we see from their encounters, which are from being at war. So we only really see this. It's it's not until we get into the next generation, um, like Dave said, that we really kind of see behind their culture and see kind of a lot of differences um, amongst the race. And the same with all of the the races in Star Trek um, that previously had not been kind of really been given any kind of look into, um, which is why it's kind of interesting that out of this supposedly warlike race um, comes up this person who is clearly the most thoughtful and intelligent one out of the lot. I think Um, some of it as well is they need they need something. Yeah, they have more to gain from it. So they send basically, I mean, he's their head guy, but they send their best diplomat, if you like, their best negotiator, and the person who is much more inclined to say is to be a little bit above the fray of the sort of conflicts that have gone before because they're irrelevant now. We need something. And they've sent out the Enterprise, who are sort of getting a bit demob happy. It's their last mission. So, like, they're just like, well, we don't want to do this anyway. Let's get pissed. Yeah, and and as I say, through the film, they do plenty to justify who they are and where they are. But at this stage, I think Kirk and pretty much all of them let themselves down at this meal. Absolutely, yeah, and it kind of puts us on a very kind of uneven keel um, for the film, really, which is a very smart thing to do. Absolutely terrific, and of course, then um, then they they sort of say goodnight, and that's awkward. Um. And then Kirk goes to bed, and I really buy... It's funny, Romulan ale seems to take you straight to the hangover. <laughs> <laughs> they just blame all that, really, don't they? So he's basically... He's basically... Yeah, he's basically... He goes to bed, and he's immediately... Leaves a note <laughs> for the galley saying, never serve this again. <laughs> and he literally just about lays his head on the pillow, and he's... And, uh, spot it's, it's, it's basically like Blue Spoon <laughs> of Ice, isn't it? Well, I know, uh, WKD, <laughs> basically. Yeah, I don't know I if they have. I don't, well. I don't, like, the I don't they have a blue, top like salad's blue. <laughs> Romulan ale spritzer, please. <laughs> With our whites. So, but, but before <laughs> but before we move on, like, um, what what do you think of Chan um, as a character? Because uh, one one of the things we him was like, oh, I was very pleased to meet you, one, one warrior to another. Um, I was thinking, would you really describe Kirk as a warrior, like? I mean, would that be accurate, or would that just be like from a Klingon's perspective? I think from a Klingon's perspective. I mean, you remember in the last film as well, um, he was um, seen as this kind of as a trophy mm. for someone, and because of all the kind of skirmishes he had in the original series as well, I think maybe he is kind of seen as this kind of. The, yeah, I think the... there's more to it than that as well. I think it's almost as well that there's a veneer of politeness to this occasion, despite oh, yeah. all the all the under, mm. sort of, all the currents underneath it all. And to call someone a warrior, if you're a Klingon, is, a is the highest of praise. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just praising him. Okay. Because they have engaged in battle over the years, not those two, but mm. Kirk and the Klingon Empire. So I think that's a lot of it. Um... And yeah, so uh, why he's called by Spock because of um, was it high neutron emissions or something? Yeah, 
Yeah, because have, have you picked up an energy surge only at the size of my head? <laughs> yeah. That's quite a funny line. I love that. Yeah, there's a surge of something coming from somewhere. Uh, we only find out later in the film what it is. And next thing we know, the Enterprise appears to fire on the... What's their ship called? It's the... It, um, it's, it's called Quanus One. That's right, because because that, it may, it's meant to evoke Air Force One, I think. Yeah. In that it's basically the lead Klingon's official. Mm. And it was, it was quite nice that they, they brought back that ship design as well, because that hadn't been seen. It's the since. battle cruiser, not the bird of yeah, prey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that hadn't been seen since, since the motion picture, and it's yeah. it's always something you associate much more with the original series than the films. Because that was the one ship they had in the original series. Yes. I'm going to sound really bad, but I've, I've never been able to tell the difference. Uh, if you call them up on a Google image search side by side, you'll see that you'll see it immediately. Okay. Yeah. The colouring is slightly is different. Uh, the shape, particularly at the front, is very different. You'll see it when it's there. Yeah. The, the bird of prey's wings kind of swoop down. Yeah. Whereas and the, they're adjustable as well. Yeah. And it's green as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're from the same sort of lineage. They, you know, they, they mm. still both look like Klingon crafts. And I don't think I initially knew the difference. It's just a Klingon ship. Mm. But yeah, watching the films in recent years, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, they are different. Um, but yeah, they fire. And again, the first slight giveaway, given that we know where the film goes is that they lose gravity on the ship and then two what appear to be USS Enterprise crew beam onto the ship. But they beam on with what is clearly a Klingon beaming effect. Ah. That's clever. See, I've, I've never noticed Which that. is actually a bit of a giveaway if you spot it. Yeah. Because I've they've never, clearly never... been beamed there under Klingon power. Yeah, because the, the Klingons have always been had red beams and the Federation always kind of had blue beams. Yeah. And actually, Search for Spock is a really good idea where you can see that because, obviously, they use the transporter quite a lot in that film. Um, and yeah. you, so you can really tell the difference. You'll see it. You'll see a, a slight error in that when we get to Generations. Yes. There, there's like, no, hang on a minute, that's the wrong colour. Um, but yeah, so that's a bit of a giveaway to what we find out later. But having said that, apart from that, it's not signalled too heavily. Um, the effects do struggle here. You've got that sort of very waxy, shiny look to that you got to a lot of CG when it was in its infancy. Mm. Uh, and Klingon blood is pink. Not purple. Purple? It's, it's more pink than purple. Pinky, yeah. purpley, violet colour. Yeah, but yeah. It, but it's a good scene. It's a, it's. A, I think it's uh, as a conception. It's 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 really like well well thought out. Yes, um, you know, just like the idea of like you know everyone's like floating about and these guys in 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 uh, gravity boots just storming the place, just like just just casually just like shooting like um, unarmed Klingons. It's just kind of it's just it's just it, it, it's pretty well done. Literally unarmed in one case. Yes, <laughs> I felt sorry for him because you later see him at the trial, and I'm thinking yeah. you really don't want to lose an arm with that sort of heavy shoulder pads. Fucking <laughs> no. But yeah, yes, and they kill Gorkon. Yes, and then it's it's a really nice shot when the gravity comes back on, and everything falls, and then you see the blood splat. Yeah, which really nice yeah. kind of it's a really it's nice kind of transition from CG to real physical. 
I um, agree. Effects which did anyone kinda... get an urge for like Angel Delight when they were watching? <laughs> <laughs> what flavour Angel Delight have you ever had? <laughs> the one that's pink or something. <laughs> Lamanche. Lamanche. But yeah, it's um, and so yes, of course, basically, uh, Kirk and Bones go over there unarmed because they don't know what's happening yeah, and they need like, to show that. Okay, we need to kind of like yeah. fix this so. We'll go over and like do. And what Bones we can. goes over there shaking with fear. Mm. And um, yeah, so they try and save Gorkon, but sadly he dies. Um, but... He's resuscitated long enough to say, "Don't let this end here." Yeah, yeah. Don't let I it finish. I thought it was bad to the bones this. during the scene. Bad to the bone. Uh, literally. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he's clearly really confused. That said, Beverly Crusher knew Klingon anatomy and still most, most of her patients died anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. But again, that's, it's kind of, again, the Cold War thing. Um, you don't know, generally know the anatomy of your enemies well. No, exactly. I, I, I do love like the whole Cold War thing running through this film. I think it's really fascinating. Just out of interest. It's <laughs> also the just... fact that, stepping back a minute, when practice went up, the Klingons are on the line to... Uh, Sulu saying, no, everything's fine. Yeah. And again, there is this kind of inability to admit any weaknesses that came with the Cold War. So there was an awful lot of exaggerating how fine things were. It's almost like Donald Trump. I won that debate. Yeah. That everything's fine. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's, yeah. Not one, the not Klingons one. halfway through this film went, this film's rigged. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're bound to lose. What's going on? <laughs> it's the liberal filmmakers at Paramount. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they are immediately pretty much um, arrested and put on trial. Show trial. Yeah, do we go straight to the trial or not? We it, don't it, do it. It happens no, pretty quickly. I think we go, to, we go to Kurtwood Smith. Yeah, and they yeah. have the, the Enterprise crew reactions as well. Yeah, because Kurtwood Smith says he's again. You see the the Klingon guy from um, from number four. The, oh yes, um, yeah. There will be no peace until <clears throat> as long as Kirk lives. What I love about the president's office is that his table's really, really bling, and off to the side is a grand piano. It's yeah. like what goes on in this fucking office? <laughs> he has a really good time there. I know. Can I ask a question? What what's the point of the Romulan character though? Which Romulan character? The um, the you know the, well the, the, the ambassador. Yeah. I just, thought you just... meant Sarek for a minute. No, 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 so... no. Um, Took us to show to show how far wide ranging the uh, the conspiracy is, perhaps. I, I yeah. yeah, I just didn't feel it was necessary. Uh, yeah, he was just like he was. He's in for like one scene, and then he's revealed to be yeah. like as part of it, and it's like well. It's not really needed. Uh, it's like, kind of like Elvis in Quantum of Solace. You go, well, what was the point of that? Yeah. Similar. It's got a dodgy haircut. Well. Yeah. No, I wasn't that impressed, to be honest with you. It was a bit um, extraneous. I think just so they can get everybody, you know, all the councils in, but apart from that, a bit random. But we digress. We get now to the show trial, and it reminds me of the conversation we had around Star Trek Three about what language are they actually speaking. Hmm. Because it pulls the Hunt for Red October trick. It does. Uh, he's speaking Klingon. Kirk and Bones have got basically translators at their ears. Mm-hmm. But when it's sort of... As you see the translators talking in a, in a sort of side room, 
to what he said and when it cuts back to him he's speaking English um, so that that does make you wonder whether how consistent this is as they go through there are possibly times they're speaking Klingon that they're not speaking Klingon or vice speaking versa speaking on with an English accent yeah well there's the bit where um, he says don't wait for the translation answer me now yes um, which is actually based on a uh, a line from a real trial Yes, and I can't remember which one it was. It was mentioned in the commentary. Um, Adlai Stevenson. Yeah. Um, ah. So are we to assume that like all kind of generally understand each other? Just it's just for like, for for purposes. Just like they've, they've got that... translators normally, yeah. but they've yeah. stripped of those. Because there's a bit as well later on where he says where he's got the the big alien dude come up to him, and he says, "Sorry, the universal translator has been confiscated." Uh, but by the time of like Voyager and that, it's kind of it seems to vary. But sometimes it seems to be built into their communicators, and other times it seems to be some kind of implant. Um, yes, but it's but, not consistent, really, is it? But the fact is, the lip movements are somewhat of a cheat. But the fact is, you, you're hearing in English they're speaking in their native tongue. I like to think uh, they hopped. They hopped to the um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy World and got a baby fish <laughs> and just shoved that in well, your. What ear. I don't know is what happens when you see like Worf in that, you know, talking Klingon to somebody or addressing someone in Klingon, and you hear it as Klingon, and you think, shouldn't that just translate to English? Yeah, shouldn't you have? So um, yeah, <laughs> it's best left because it just confuses the shit out of. Yeah, just just but, have, just have more speak, speak English and just assume that they're speaking English for the benefit of the accused. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, speaking, just, you know, with a slight accent maybe. Mm. And of course, so we're very loud. Of course, speaking of Worf, he is technically in this scene. He is. He is. He is. Um, Michael Dorn. Worf playing Worf's granddad. Yeah, yeah which is that. great because I love Worf. I was, I was so pleased so, to see so him in this film. I was like, yeah, it's Michael Dorn. So, so yeah. that is actually his granddad. He's, yes. He's yeah. Oh, okay. Can't be his yeah, dad because a time and b he's son of Moog. Yeah. Whereas that character is called Worf, so it's clearly a family name. It's Moog, Moog, son of Worf. And then Wolf, son of Moog. But um, yeah, it, it, to be fair, he's a, he's a good defence lawyer. I mean, like, I mean, he gets absolutely shat on, but I don't think he was any of his fault <laughs> at all. To it's be a fair. trial, isn't it? What I love is the first time he says um, objection. Yeah. You hear the cat. You hear them say sustained, but like Bones goes ahead and answers it anyway. Mm. And then you think, well, uh, come on, Bones, you must have seen a courtroom drama at some <laughs> point. You, you've just it's just been struck down basically. By the end, you shout an objection every two minutes, and nothing's happening. They're not even addressing it at all. Is this is this the first time we actually hear anyone say James Tiberius Cook? In yes, in, this, in know, live action, yes. Yeah, I know it was the was it it was the cartoon. Was it the animated series? Yeah, the animated series so where this this brings it officially into canon. Yeah, although in uh, where no man has gone before, it was James R. Kirk. Yeah. That was probably. Yeah, yeah. no query that to begin with, didn't they? I was like, why is it? Why is it changed? Yeah. Well, well they probably okay. called. They probably called Scooby Doo and asked what his middle name was. And Scooby Doo. <laughs> and also, considering that was a pilot, then maybe they just. Yeah, they hadn't come to that point as, yet. They haven't worked it out yet. Yeah, they haven't worked it out yet. Yeah, either way. Um, either that or like Gary Mitchell's not as clever as he fucking thinks he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like this trial and again it's hiding its budget quite nicely because there's mm. a lot of like inanimate props in that crowd mm. that they've hidden very very well with lighting yeah it's really well done 
done very, very well. It's got a very, very intimidating, particularly now we've got Worf on the bridge of the next generation at this point, and next generation is kind of going into its fifth season by now. Mm. Um, so we are now very comfortable in the in the company of Klingons, if you like, and it is pre um, Deep Space Nine where it brings back an element of um, conflict. So it was a nice reminder that shot correctly, they are really fucking intimidating. Yeah, and I just love the whole design of like the whole court. It's just like it's just such a big like it's like a big dome with all these like Klingon lights sort or of, like just shouting and banging. You know, and, and, mm. and banging. It's meant to be intimidating. Yeah. It's, uh, it's being broadcast live on CNN. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the Enterprise has got the live feed. Um, with all the translator, must be being translated through there. Obviously. Or something. Um, but, and we now know, of course, that thanks to the snow effects, that Klingons hand wash their clothes. Oh, yeah. Lux flakes. Lux flakes. <laughs> we intercut with the ship. Where they're trying to, you know, where they're doing this yeah. murder she wrote fucking mystery. Well, well, what is well, what is the mystery? Basically, like uh, it's a conspiracy. Who's like, the insider? Yeah, somebody on that ship has to have done something because a either it has shot from that ship or it's shot from another ship, and if that's the case, then the records on the Enterprise have been changed. Yeah. So one way or another. The culprit is on the Enterprise, and so they're looking for gravity boots, and they, and they put the not at all suspicious uh, Valerius in charge of trying to find them. Yeah. Which, as murder mysteries go, all the conversation from Spock around it's really good. The the sort of deduction of how he gets to that is quite interesting, and the deduction of how they get to a cloaked Klingon ship is quite interesting. But basically, if there was an episode of Murder, She Wrote where she just spent the whole episode looking for a pair of boots, <laughs> it's a bit like, oh, I found them, brilliant. They don't so fit. What, 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 so, did, so did the, the two guys who did it, who, who, yeah. who beamed on, They how do they beam on using Klingon technology? Did they have, like... They beamed yeah. on from the Klingon ship. So, yeah, but so why, why wasn't it just Klingons, then? Because they've got to frame the Enterprise. Okay, oh, yeah, so that's why. And not only that, what, what, if they, what if what if they'd got on the ship and got done what they needed to do, but got shot in the crossfire? Or, or you got then un- or you, un- you unmasked them. It's a couple of Klingons. Yeah. So no, it makes sense for it to be okay. Federation. Okay, being furrow with it. Okay, I get it. Yeah, I, I would think so. Um, one of them, somebody who watched it with me once, said that that looked like a female. So I think Valerius is actually one of them. Well, no, it's yeah. it's. it's... I don't know because if you see the the two guys before that when they when the Klingons first board they kind of say a comment they say all oh, like you know and then and then they meet yeah. uh, and then Valeris is there and it, and the way the way the the scene is shot it kind of sounds like they kind of she's like sternly telling them off for like you know get on with your job but basically it means like you've got you got a job to do a bit yeah. I mean, get like get get ready to go on the on the Klingon ship later on kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which I thought was kind of like clever if you watch it for a second time and go, oh shit, yeah. I think you're probably right, but it, when they shot it... But yeah, one of the guys is actually quite again, short, the, so... Yeah, I think one is a woman, so you could read that either way. Because Kurt drops a line later about first rule of killing, kill, you know, murder the murderer. Mm. Um, 
you could read that as yes, they were the murderers working for Valeris, or you could just that we, we need to frame them and kill them so that they can't. They've got no right of reply, and I think it's the latter. And when you see them caught by Valeris talking about how stinky fucking Klingons are <laughs> earlier in the film, it's misdirection. Mm. I think. But we I, can't know that I don't know. I, Yeah, it's, it's definitely those two guys. I, mean, I, I think it is anyway, because I don't think... Where, where is Valeris anyway? When well, Valeris is on the Enterprise bridge anyway. Yeah. Mm. So you'd have to get her off the Enterprise, onto the Bird of Prey, into the uniform, on the Klingon ship, and then back to the Enterprise. Mm. So it's a plus, it, a plus it makes more sense to highlight to nobodies who's not going to be necessarily... He's not necessarily going to be like, oh, where, where are they, guy? Where, where, where are they? You know, like, she's going to be more noticeable in her absence, you know. Um, Bear in mind, it happened outside hours as well. Yeah. They'd all sort of gone back to their, you know, Kirk is called from, from basically his quarters as yeah. this is about to happen. And I cannot remember for the life of me whether Valeris was actually on the bridge at that point. I don't think we see her. No, but I, think... I don't think it massively matters. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, but you can read it either way, yeah. and the chances are you're right, Chris. But um, okay, so they so they basically they must have like beamed on uh, a Klingon ship on that Klingon ship, and then beamed on that onto the, the other Klingon ship to do the killing. I mean, the main the main thing about it was, I mean, they may even have if they'd been beamed from the Enterprise, the Enterprise sensors probably would have picked it up. So maybe they beamed earlier. I'm not completely sure on that. Okay. The main reason it's there cloaked is to fire. Yeah, I th- because because like you said, they had the, the Klingon beam as well. So I'd have to watch again to see if there's a change. But as as far as I know, they go from the Klingon ship mm. on the bird of prey onto the uh, the, the Chronos one, do their business, and then in the chaos, beam back over to the Enterprise. Yeah, where they can get rid of their uniforms. Yeah, and they they tried to frame one of the guys, isn't they? And, and they without even realizing that he had funny feet. That's the real confusing thing. It's like, well, if she'd planned to put it on those two guys, why are you trying to flame some other guy first? Mm. I, I, my my so, guess, it wasn't necessarily her directly. It was it was those guys, and it was like, and she was like, kind of like pleased that the plan's got going well, and then she realizes, oh, the mm. fucking idiots. So or it just, so, so, or it just turned out that they weren't they were his boots or they or they were boots that they just found randomly because they weren't the boots because they found the boots later I think uh, they found so, they found the um, no they weren't his boots because they don't fit him they looked at his feet and that's yeah yeah, yeah but, but, but not necessarily the boots they found yeah that's true the they found uh, the uniforms later. Don't know if there were still boots mm. with them. They actually just found what they were well, no, wearing. Well, there were blood on them, though. With the Klingon blood on them, that's what the best Oh, no, they were the uniforms. Yes, they were. So, oh, yeah, they definitely been back to the Enterprise, hence the heavily made. Yeah. I think it was just an excuse for Chekhov to be a bit racist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, these Russians. That was a callback to the... Um, when he first joined the um, Enterprise in Series 2 of the original series... Now, bear in mind, we're at the height of the Cold War and the Soviet Union still exists, as opposed to it just being Russia. And one of the running jokes in the show was that Chekhov genuinely believed 
everything was either invented in Russia or came from Russia or whatever. <laughs> and he claims he claims Cinderella as Russian. Is, yeah. is that where um, it, the boot fits? Is that where the thing in um, Beyond is? Is like uh, no whiskey was really invented in by uh, yeah yeah. yeah so that's, that is a callback to the fact that. Justin Lin clearly knows his Star Trek, and that's one of the the traits of that character. Mm. That he thinks everything comes from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> that big fat Greek wedding, like everything. Did you know everything comes from Greece? <laughs> that's yeah. Funny. Anyway, non-Trek. I do like that scene, it. and I love all their reactions because he's looking so happy with himself. No, you idiot. And then uh, you've got. Quad. Yeah, and then you've got um, Kirk and McCoy off to Ruapente, um, where it's yeah. uh, not very cold at all. Apparently very cold. <laughs> with it, with it looks snow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first few scenes, I'm not that interested in where he's having fights and all the rest of it. Yeah. When he starts having a proper conversation with Bones when they're laying in their bunks of an evening, that stuff's really good. Oh, yeah, yeah when, gold. when they actually kind of think about. Who's did, who did this and there what has, they had to yeah. gain. What are they trying to gain? They're trying to stop peace. And it, it's basically a moment of um, introspection as well because he thinks, well, I wasn't keen on peace because I was used to seeing them as enemies. Yeah. Therefore, there are people who just don't want change. So if they've killed that side, there's going to be another assassination. There has to be. They have to completely knock out any chance of peace. Mm. And the point was made on, I think, one of the commentaries that that was true at the end of the Cold War. I mean, there was a coup in 91 to kind of stop all that perestroika and and glasnost stuff. And um, on the other side, there were a lot of right wingers in, you know, who were making money out of weapon sales and things like that. So, yeah, there's always a party that is quite happy and benefits from keeping the conflict cold or hot going. Mm. Um, and that film deals with it well. And the moment where Kirk works that out, talking to Bones, I think, is is really very good. And then he gets get... off with himself, effectively. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite, quite good, the little, what is it with you? Um, and also, it's quite nice that, they're again, they're kind of starting to think about their age as well. And Bones, in particular, is uh, is, is almost kind of committed to the fact that uh, they're not going to get out of this yeah. whereas at least Kirk, especially since Kirk has a bit more insider knowledge of where of what Spock did with the little patch on his uh, on his coat yes. yeah, so sneaky. yeah so what did um, what did um, Spock put on his coat was it like a, a like a, a, a locator locator so yeah. they can beam, beam him up kind of thing mm. it doesn't really matter what they call it that's all it is mm. yeah. it's just once you get out from um, the sort of uh, magnetic interference, meaning get on the surface and away from that area, we'll be able to find you, providing we're within two sectors yeah. of you. Mm. And obviously, because Spock is in command, they're bound to be there. Uh, hence, he says to um, two reasons. That's one of two reasons he says to Scotty, how long will it take you to get you know warp power back or get the engines up and running? And Scotty's like, there's nothing wrong with them. And it's like, well, yeah, but if we go back to, um, if we go back to the starbase, those boots will be tossed, and we'll never find who it is. Mm. 
But also what we don't know at that point, and we find out later, is he has to stay there anyway. He has to stay within a, a beaming distance, if you like, of of uh, Bones and, and Kirk. So he gets, oh, I could take weeks. Yeah. I quite like the, um, the, the shapeshifter effects. Yeah, they're really good, aren't they? Yeah. I was really it impressed by it, them. It just made me think of Black or White, the Michael Jackson video, which was also <laughs> the same. Yeah. Morphing was suddenly crammed into everything around here, but it wasn't. Yeah, like that was like the the um, in vogue effect, really, wasn't it? Clearly. Yeah, because you had with um, I think Willow was the first one where it was introduced. Yeah. Um, and then you had Indiana Jones and Last Crusade with the the, the guy at the end. Oh yes, um, yeah, it was his face dissolving. And then obviously Terminator Two was yeah. the same year as, uh, as as Star Trek Six, so it's kind of again a bit of a evolution going on. And it's it's an effect, and I love the the photography of when they escape and they're kind of walking across the, the high uh, angle across the planes. Yeah, yeah and the music really is beautiful there as well. Yeah, I liked all that. It was the one bit of sort of Ruripente that didn't look really cheap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, because it will have been it will have been on. I would imagine that's part location, part mat. I would mm. think. Um. And yeah, they get picked up by the Enterprise just as because they realise that a man was basically getting getting them to the surface so they can be shot as deserters, you know. So, so what's she doing? She's basically just like working for money, kind of thing. As a, a full pardon, she does say at one point oh, she'll get a full yeah. pardon for it. Oh, okay. So basically, basically, most of the Klingons want them dead, particularly those who have no interest in mm. peace. Um, but it has to look like. And not an accident, but shooting an escapee. Yeah. Mm. So she gets them to the surface, and Kirk quite simply works out. Well, hang on a minute. You've got different clothes. You've sent up a flare. It's uh, and the flare isn't standard issue. Yeah. You know. So he works that out, and basically, just as he's about to be told who's behind it all, he gets beamed back to the Enterprise. <laughs> it's it's quite like con- a- you know, I love that. Quite convenient. Well, you're gonna die anyway, so I'm gonna it's tell like- you. It's like almost like a like, like a piss take of a bomb moment. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I did like the line where like um, where she turns uh, and she and she and she turns into um, into into Kirk into like a Kirk. He's like, well, you know, didn't you always want to kiss yourself? <laughs> yeah. You know, what And I like that because vanity is a big part of like William Shatner's persona. Yeah, mm. I like that little sort of deflational sort of self-deprecatory gag. Oh, nod. Yeah, I know everyone thinks I love myself. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's really clever. And he kind of he relishes that kind of role as well, doesn't he? I think it's quite funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's becoming pop pop culture's the shat by this point. He yeah. is, yeah. yeah he's he's morphing into that kind of role. And then they'll get treated to the whole, like, uh, oh, which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't, they don't play that for very long anyway. No. no, I thought, oh, God, here we go. But luckily they didn't keep that up for very long, so that was good. I was like, phew. Yeah. I used to see you. I used to see you? Why have you just quoted <laughs> Batman and Robin? <laughs> <laughs> so I was just reading something online. Um, I was trying to, I've just, I, um, um, earlier, I accidentally quoted a fun fact and I had to find another one. So I was looking up random facts and I got distracted by a fact about um, Batman and Robin. <laughs> so sorry about that. Is, is this yeah. a new, a next series we're doing or? Batman <laughs> is coming. Yeah, we'll do Batman at some sometime. point. Um, 
but I don't know how you can go looking for facts on Star Trek Six <laughs> and end up looking at ice to see or. I think I was uh, something to do with the effects, and obviously I followed you know the link from sort of like Terminator all the way through to. What other films have horrific effects? Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah, this is it. But that was several years later. But yeah, sorry about that. You can cut all this out. It's all good. No, I'm not cutting shit. Out. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm sorry. We go straight on to uh, now. We're sort of we are getting towards the final act now. We uh, uncover Valeris in that Kirk's back on the ship. He finds the two dead men. They were shot at clo- too close. They were shot on stun setting, but at too close a range, and yeah. it killed them. Pretty much like point point blank to the head. Really, it basically makes it look like they've had a fight, a row, mm. and they've gone to stun each other because they wouldn't kill each other, and it's gone wrong. I think that's what that's meant to tell us. And Kirk's immediately like, well, that isn't right, obviously. Mm. Um, uh, what, and the main thing is they set up, they make a big announcement over the tannoy that they're in sickbay. And then they switch all the lights off. Kirk and Spock probably have a bit of a fumble while they're waiting. <laughs> in fanfic, they probably would anyway. And uh, they catch Valerius basically coming in. And what I love about this scene is... Uh, Spock's angry. Yeah. Mm. I've never seen Spock, like, this angry before. Well, not like... I think it's a couple of things. I think, firstly, he announces... Earlier in the film, they have a conversation which also foreshadows her feelings because she talks to Spock about not being keen on this whole peace thing. Mm. Um, But he also says, it's my last trip on this Mm. ship. I'd like you to replace me. Mm. Which tells us the ship isn't being immediately decommissioned. Um, but it's also like a badge of like you know you of honor for Spock. He's like passing on his you know you're, you're it, supposed to yeah. replace me and you go and do this. She's his selection. It's like an insult to him, you know. Like... And also, he has been driving the whole peace process. Mm. You know, he he is the sort of George Mitchell, if you like, on this, and he's she's let him down, and he is always suppressing his emotions. It's he's not emotionless. And this shows you he let him letting the lid off it a bit. I really like it. Yeah. Mm. And absolutely, that's true. And then in the, the next scene as well, where he uh, where he does the mind melt, uh, he cries. Yeah, yeah, and she's very traumatized by it. Yeah. There's a very there's slight, very traumatic scene. It, it, there's almost a slight sort of almost rape overtone to it as well. Mm. It, but it's necessary. I, I remember, so I don't, yeah. I I remember the commentary. I remember the commentary. They said like it's, there's kind of like a sexy element to it, which I've never really caught. But well, it's sensual the way they touch each other. They yeah. were talking about because uh, the other commentary is Iris Stephen Bear, who was showrunner on Deep Space Nine for years. He started off on Next Generation, and Larry Nemechek, who's who's written for various things, but he also if you go and look Nam- Larry Nemechek up on. Um, iTunes and stuff. He, he's got a feed that is all his appearances on other shows around Star Trek. Very knowledgeable. And they do a commentary about it and they talk about how well the two actors act with their hands. Their hands are what they're doing with their hands means something. They're not literally just putting hands on each other and that's it. Um, and it is quite an intense scene. And I when I, I don't want to use the word sensual and rape within the same sentence almost, but it's very physical, it's very close, but it is it is a violation at the same time. It's one that they have to do, but, yeah, there's a lot yeah. to that scene. I really like it. It's, it's a brilliant scene. 
and he takes a while to break her down. Yeah, because it's because she's very smug at first, and um, and kind of I think by that point they've worked out that it's a bird of prey, haven't they? That kind of firewall clicked. Yes. Yeah, that's a brilliant scene where Spock works that out. Yeah. He uses the Sherlock Holmes quote, and he says, Again. "Well, this, then that, therefore this." Yeah. Well, they don't exist. They can't fire when they're cloaked. This one must do. That's the only way. And it does turn out to be a prototype. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then, and then the kind of really, really kind of that, that just harrowing scene, uh, which in the director's cut version of the film is really kind of undercut, because in that version, as soon when she says the names of the people, for instance, General Chang, people like that, they then they play a short clip of or or show a still if that's not, if the clip's not available of the person so they show a picture of Christopher Plummer um i think when he uh, just as he's beaming off the uh, the ship after the you dinner need, scene. you need no cutaways from this no mm. and it's it's just an obvious obvious scene well so you don't really need it for chang um but it's it's only like the other minor ones like the the other admiral who was in the well the whole point of four this is... and yeah, but it isn't the end of a Scooby Doo ex- no. episode. They're not. They're not trying to well, give us your plot. It. It's literally they need to find out the location. Yeah, that's mm. what they're going for. It's the one thing they don't actually get because she doesn't know. They're looking to find the location of where the um, piece, the next round of peace talks are taking place. And also to find out how widespread the conspiracy actually is. Because mm. when you find out that, yeah, they've got the Romulan, Romulan as well, which is probably what that's there for. But as well, the uh, the guy from Admiral Cartwright, the... Uh, um, Brock from, Peters. Yeah, Brock Peters um, from Starfleet, who was also in and Kill Killer Mockingbird. He was Tom. The, uh, excuse me, it was Tom Robinson. Yeah. So, it was. And was. I thought that's where I recognised him from. I was like, ah... Um, and he's also, um, yeah, he also appears as Captain Sisko's dad in a few episodes of Next, uh, Deep Space Nine as well, where he's he's fantastic. So yes, yeah, so, so to have that person in such an important film about race relations to be a part of this conspiracy um, was a deliberate thing and quite powerful as well. It was very wise as well to use someone we'd already seen because he was in Star Trek Four as well. Exactly, yeah. same character, and it, it just puts in that shade of grey. That, that because General Trang's quite a broad villain, you know, quoting his Shakespeare and as I say, eye patch nailed into his head and everything else. That it paints the picture that there, it isn't just a case of black hats. It, it is as well people who are just fearing change because it's just a massive degree of uncertainty. Shatner pretty much spells that out in his last speech in the film. Um, so yeah, Brock Peters is is very nervous most of the way through the film, particularly sweaty at the uh, yeah, he's very sweaty at the end, isn't he? Yeah. So they think they call Chekhov because not Chekhov, they call Sulu because they believe Sulu knows where it's going to be. Now, where does that come from? Where? Why do they correctly assume Sulu knows? I've never quite picked up why that is. I don't know really. He, he um... tries. He, he tries a mind meld. They find out. Yes, she's guilty. Yes, Chang. Yes, whatever. But they don't know where to go next. And then they say, make basically to contact the Excelsior and ask Sulu. I think we've all drawn a blank on that. Then we don't know why. Yeah, I, I, guess, I, 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 guess. I can't remember. I, yeah, just you know, maybe Sulu's just well, a guy with connections. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah, um, he could get you a poster of Rita Hayworth as well if you want. <laughs> uh, I guess maybe because the Enterprise has maybe been, I don't know if he's been put out as a fugitive ship or something, because he does say that, you know, by just by talking back to us, um, you could be court-martialed. So, i.e., any other Starfleet ship would know. Yeah. It's only that the Enterprise is on the outs at the moment. Yeah. That makes more sense. I would think that's probably it. Yeah. So yeah, you get the Christian Slater cameo, which was quite promising to start with because he was shot entirely in the dark. Mm. Oh, that's the highlight of the film. Christian <laughs> Slater. <laughs> Christian Slater waking up Sulu. Yeah, yeah Sulu like you're a Sulu tw- might as well have called him a twat. <laughs> yeah. It, it is a bit weird because this is like I mean right after his kind of outbreak as a as a, as a heartthrob, wasn't he? Heathers and um, the volume were like a year and a couple of years before this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like the so, and the same year as Cuffs. And a year before Robin Hood. Is it, was it the year before? Or was it the same year? Finish, finish what you'll start, Head. Um, <laughs> oh, what That's a talented cool. man he is. It is the same year, Chris. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Brother, oh, are you with me? <laughs> are you with me? Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> See, yeah, as yeah. much brothers as like you know blind me he Bow- cleared it <laughs> it, was yeah, like, yeah. it was a bit like the end of like Bowfinger you know oh, fake person ninjas brother <laughs> have they ever released that bit where he says fuck me I don't think they ever yeah. did because I, I remember it was in the cinema was it in the then, cinema I think yeah because I remember when I saw it in the cinema he said what are you talking about Robin in um, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves oh. where they they do the catapult thing, and uh, and he goes over the the wall, um, and Christian says, Slater says, "Fuck me, he made it." Well, I, I, I'm not I'm not at all puritanical about language, but that seems totally fucking unnecessary in a family <laughs> film, particularly as it's a fucking period piece. Like anyone well, would even. Well, it's a family film where there's comedy, attempted rape at the end. It, it it is a dark fucking film. I mean, it's got like it's got like witchcraft in it. It's got like you know, like re- really, it's actually quite hard, brutal violence and and Chris sort of dark. going cool fucking hell. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh god. Pretty much. So he wakes up Sulu. Yeah. And Sulu <laughs> says, <laughs> and Sulu says, "Fuck off." <laughs> You're only here because of your mum. <laughs> yeah. He really is. <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty much what happens in this scene. So off he fucks, and that's the end of that. It was a nice cameo, though. I enjoyed it very much. It, it is a bit random. It's like, what the fuck is Christian Slater doing here? <laughs> like, Star Trek. It's really weird. I don't get. I don't understand it at all. Like, what the hell are you doing in this film? Cast by Mary Jo Snowden. I, I don't. I don't. I don't hate Christian Slater as much as Dave does, obviously. Um, but it, it does seem like he does seem out of place in a Star Trek film. I can't. Does. He you does. know, he's more at this point in time, he was more like a teen heartthrob, really, wasn't he? Well, yeah, yeah. And, and Star Trek was, I mean, it's always been nerdy, but particularly nerdy at this time, yeah, yeah, and in this um, sort of era, really. So, a bunch of old dudes running around, and, yeah, and I mean, if you were making this later. film now, and you it would it would be more appropriate given their background, but it would also pull you out, it would be like a Jim Parsons now. It really would. Yeah, it would take it out of the moment. So. Well, Christy, but not a Christian Slater equivalent. It's really yeah. an odd one. No. Mm. Why, why, why do you hate Christian Slater so much, Dave? Because I think why? he's a talentless cunt. <laughs> okay. You haven't seen him in Archer, then? I haven't, actually. But, I mean, it's just like he was painted as the next Nicholson, which that is high billing. 
doing it anyway. I mean, you're going to struggle with that anyway. I just thought, apart from a slight, a very distinctive voice and cadence, that's about all he's had. Yeah. Everything I've ever seen him in, I thought he was crap. I, to be honest, like when when people say, "Oh, he's next Nicholson," that is like lazy people not knowing what the fuck they're talking about. Oh yeah, so I understand what you mean, but I wouldn't sort of blame. Although he has played Randall Patrick McMurphy on stage, he has amazingly enough. I yeah. think that's just why, I, just because he can do a very good impression. Actor, that's all. I, re- I really liked him in True Romance, and and he has been decent in in some films. He's, I famously no, loathe True Romance, though. He's, he's no Stephen Dorff, but um, no, no he's Dorf. not. No, actually, Stephen Dorff and him could have been separated at birth. To be fair. Um, it could There's have been dragged. <laughs> oh, that's not very nice. Cast by Mary Jo Dorf. <laughs> I think there's a I think there's a bunch of Mary Joes out there casting films with their sons. <laughs> and Jeff Roddenberry as well. <laughs> Jeff wants once Jeff K gets hold of the footage, he's gonna cast him immediately. <laughs> this one's for you, Jeff, by the way. We miss you, Jeff. If your name's Jeff Roddenberry and you're listening to this, please write us an email. To say what? Yes, I'm He's called Jeff Roddenberry. Snapped addressed envelope. And then we'll yes. read it out next week. We'll just read out an email that says, I'm called Jeff Roddenberry. <laughs> and then there'll be an awkward silence and we'll carry on talking about, like, Wrath of Khan or whatever. <laughs> I think it'll be funny. All right. <laughs> <laughs> they won't, because he, do- he doesn't and he won't, so there we go. So uh, this one's dedicated to Jeff. The Jeffs of the world unite. Apologies for all the effing and jeffing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not like us to swear, is it? No, we no, don't swear at all. Well, you don't, Becca. <laughs> you told me to fuck off in one episode, but I kind of edited that before the final cut. <laughs> <laughs> I got her to say something again, and it was like quarter past 11 at night, and she was really fucking knackered. <laughs> and she said it slightly wrong, and I went, Becca, can you do that again? And she went, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, sorry, Dave. <laughs> it was quite late at night for me, and it was, it was quite it was tired, really, and I was like, oh, fuck off. It's really late, and we'd had a few I, I lost my patience, I'm sorry. Yeah. And of course, in her defence, she thinks I'm a twat, too. <laughs> we, get a pretty, lovely. we get a pretty decent action sequence, I think, now on. From, I think I, I love these two captains going at the uh, Klingon ship together. Oh, what, like Sulu and Kurt double-teaming uh, Chuck? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure that's what happened. Um, fire! Really, really well shot sequence. Great. Um, and uh, yeah, and then the models in it are just beautiful. Um, and the it's shot, just... like the shot that goes up through the Excelsior. I, I, I do think they, um, the how they defeat, how they manage to sort of solve the problem of. Uh, hitting a ship that's invisible is kind of like I don't know. Let's just let's just like let's just make the missile hit hit like hit something invisible. All right, then fine. Bones, can you like can you like engineer it? Yeah, sure. There no, it picks up. It picks up on basically emissions. Yeah, because yeah. it makes it makes sense because the first when you see Sulu the Excelsior at the start and Sulu does his little um, captain's log, he mentions. It, what they're doing is cataloging gaseous anomalies. Mm. So they have they have that inf- they have that equipment, and then uh, obviously okay. later on, Uvura kind of brings it up. To be honest, I think I think I'd rather be steering the ship. As jobs go, you know, he's been promoted just to like log gaseous anomalies. <laughs> but then, but then Uhura says that the uh, 
that you've got all this equipment for logging gaseous anomalies. Yeah. That ship you've just told us gives out a gaseous, basically, byproduct of plasma. Mm. Why can't we use the equipment to do that? Yeah, and it gives Uhura something to do. Yeah, apart from her especially after very sensitive the... linguistic skills. Oh. See, that's, that's the one thing where I kind of... I really like the kind of some of the direction they took with the Uhura in the new in the JJ Abrams films. Well they made it smarter. Exactly. It's kind of this is the ship's and she, and she's involved in the action as well, isn't she? She's like Who who's been there for like however long the uh, everyone else has been there. Yeah. Um she's almost like a glorified kind of secretary anyway, the way it's some of it's done. Yeah. Um and then kind of this big thing where Oh yeah, we're just going to get out all these old books because we wouldn't be able to do it on these computers, um, despite the fact that. And we not only that. Speed how, how many, how, why, why doesn't she know how, how many books? On? If you go to France, right, and you've only got like a little bit of high school fr- French and you, you can't really remember, you might take an English to French dictionary. You wouldn't take an English to French library. How <laughs> no, many books how do they need? If, if you're if you're in a time of war. And you're and you're flying around with all these enemy all ships these about, then surely you want to be able to deduce enemy transmissions. Well, surely you would say, "Computer, translate." Yeah, it's got Major Barrett's voice anyway. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Well, yeah, that, that really that really upsets me. It's like, um, why doesn't why doesn't she know? And, and, like, yeah. and it reminds me of, um, I think it's Blackadder Goes Forth, where they're talking about Umboto Gorge. And it's where, where I'm that warty melon. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, it's Sorry. just like, what? what? <laughs> they've basically gone, they've gone, you know, give us your clearance code. She's gone, where I'm that warty melon. And they've gone, yeah, that, <laughs> yep, so sounds fine by me. They took half an hour, got all the words wrong and have a Terran accent. But yeah. So. <laughs> and then the, uh, um, the so laugh at the end. Bond, obviously. <laughs> I do like that. Though. I actually quite like that, though. Because the, the moment she cuts that laugh off is brilliant. She just goes, <laughs> right. And she's really pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Or in conversation anyway. Poor Uhura. Um, but yeah, there's this, back to the, the, the space battle. And like you said, the, the shot where they go right through the Enterprise's hull mm. is brilliant. And uh, what, what I love is they go right through the hull. I, I think they go through the hull of the Excelsior at one point as well. Mm. And what I love is it cuts to the bridge just before it hits, and just a split second too soon, someone dives across the screen, and it hasn't hit yet. It's only a matter of a split second, but it's like laugh out loud funny once you notice it. And it destroys the kitchen as well. It destroys the kitchen, yeah. It's like if we've made this new set... I, I like that. When the, earlier in the film, they're looking for gravity boots, and he looks in a saucepan. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah. it's, not, not, it's not likely, is it? <laughs> Yeah, we're giving giving Chekhov's another time to to get his uh, V's and his W's mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Simply vaporize them. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, but one of the things I did notice, like uh, um, the didn't the dining room explode in the Enterprise where they where where they had the meal previously? I noticed that. Oh yeah. So I thought that maybe that was like a symbolic or something, like maybe saying like oh the. Yeah, like the negotiations. The fragile talked. piece we were holding over dinner, sort of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. may just be they had limited sets, so we'll just <laughs> let this one up. Should we use another one from previous times? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, basically, Sulu comes in and saves Kirk's ass by giving him 
a distraction essentially, like giving them two ships, three and four. Um, and while Bones and Spock fumble around with a with, with with a missile for them to fire. Yeah, yeah, they're just basically buying time while that missile is retrofitted yeah. and put into the. And he's just going on and on and on about shit. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. here's another quote. Clearly enjoying himself though. He's there like spinning around, going. <laughs> Thank fuck Shakespeare's um, out of public. Oh, uh, which, out of which copyright. play shall I quote now? Uh-huh. He quotes all the plays, all the plays. And then, you know, he, and then again, Kirk is really, really angry when he says fire. That final, and he I even puts that. his, puts his knee scene. up. Yeah, he does his fire. his fist. <laughs> fire! fire. <laughs> Brilliant scene. I think it's interesting how like, it's only like the Klingon characters who quote Shakespeare, rather than any of the human ones or Terran ones. Well, yeah. you know, you not heard uh, uh, Shakespeare until you heard it in the original Klingon. Oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think it's interesting, though. So. Romeo and Juliet is just really fucking aggressive sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's really great. But they, they blow the ship up with that horrible to be or not to be line, which I'm not that keen on. And then they, I do find the last bit inadvertently funny because they were, they were already sort of starting this conference. It's meant to be peace talks. But it's more like a party conference. They're sort of taking turns <laughs> to speak. Um, and they've Sassy. got someone there ready to try to assassinate the cha- the chancellor. Oh, sorry, the president. Is it the daughter they were going to assassinate or the... Um, the I, I think they would have. I don't know. I think, do they... Because they, yeah, they, 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 they aim it at the president. And then in the they aim it at someone else in the uh, in the once Kirk dives over him. They did have the they were trained on um, on her at one point. Well, I think they were trained on Valerius at one point actually. Um, oh yeah, the, it, the, it would have been shut up really, wouldn't it? It would yeah, yeah. It would have been you know yeah. kill all the. No, I, I think you're right. Cause I think the plan was like kill the someone. What I, what I love is they are getting too old by this point, and as I say, it doesn't it doesn't hurt the film, but don't drop Scotty at the bottom of a fucking stairwell <laughs> and say run fat boy. That's just like silly. <laughs> I like really how he always, he, he just kicks in the door and just shoots like that. Yeah, it's, really, <laughs> it's, it's really funny, and because uh... I'm not I'm not going to fat shame anyone. I'm really not fat myself. But, oh no, no. But it's, James it's Doohan has put a lot of weight on in this film series. <laughs> He's now quite old as well, comparatively, and they drop him at the bottom of a stairwell. <laughs> like, mean. Yeah. And and Shatner's dive is quite funny as well. <laughs> it's clearly a really fucking tautly sprung trampoline just out of such <laughs> But it's great, and he gets up, and it's a little cheesy. It's a little bit. It's a, expect, it's, it's very stereotypically it's, this whole scene, expected, isn't it? I expected Rocky to come in and say, "If I can change, <laughs> yeah. and you can change, you can change." It's, it's um, over very quickly, isn't it? I, I I just I just love how Kurt kind of like invertly just gate crashes the whole thing and just makes it all yeah. about him. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like but someone was already speaking, Kirk. We're just afraid of change. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> yes, that's in line with the themes. Yeah. But I thought in the next line he was gonna moan about the price of TV licenses. <laughs> <laughs> and then we could wait to be seventy five so they were free. It's a, bit, it's a bit dry. Ooh, it's going to be a bit nippy. <laughs> <laughs> and he, yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, people are afraid of change. And then she immediately is like, oh my god, this is like the best thing ever. Everything is fine now. Yeah. You've restored my father's faith. And then it's like, oh yeah, he restored quick. my son's. It's like, 
My, your son? What? <laughs> I yeah. Often joke, I often joke about it, but in all honesty, I really wish they'd done thumbs up freeze frame. <laughs> I think that would have been more appropriate than in any film we've ever covered. It's it's quite it is quite a cheesy scene, and it's and it's it's got the kind of nice heartwarming music, and you see Scotty and Sulu just go up next to it and stand either side. Scotty sort of you know check his pacemaker. Have you ever seen Tango and Cash? Yeah, you know, you know, you've seen that um, that that YouTube clip of like uh, everything our uh, everything should end like Tango and Cash, right? You know, they no. do they do the like the like sort of they 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 clasp hands at the end. It goes like a freeze frame, and it kind of like has that like sort of really cheesy eighties rock music. Like, oh, I should, <laughs> oh, I, I'll, I'll 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 send you the link, but it, yeah, yeah. I, I was just, just pictured that in my head. Mm. Sorry, carry on. I sound like an idiot. No, it's absolutely fine. So, yeah, it is a little bit... Uh, it's a bit, you know, the way... It, it, it looks... The way, like, Sulu walks through, still holding his phaser to the, all the applause and that. Yeah. It's like... It's, big... it's like... It's a bit like the Fonz coming in during Happy Days or something. <laughs> and he's got a massive grin like on his face as well. He's really happy with himself. He does look really happy with himself. And when we... Uh, and the thing is, right, when they get back on the ship afterwards... And he says goodbye to him. It is like the end of This Is Your Life. <laughs> He's got, like, the Excelsior crew are all fucking there to wave him off. I was just thinking, like, this is weird. <laughs> um, there's one interesting bit, in the, again, in, in the director's cut of the film, um, which you mentioned Scooby-Doo earlier. Um, there's a scene earlier where, um, where the president is discussing with the ambassador and stuff about Kirk being on trial. And what happens then is um, Admiral Cartwright comes in with this guy who is actually played by uh, Rene Aubergenard with Odo right. in Deep Space yeah. Nine. Yeah. And this guy is called Colonel West. So um, it's, a, it's a kind of reference to the Oliver, Oliver North. North. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he basically um, brings out these plans to rescue them and says we can it be in and out before they know it. Um, and, uh, and then they said, well, what happens if... Uh, if if the Klingons find out, and he just says, frankly, sir, we can clean their chronometers. Um, <laughs> and then at the end of the at the end of the film in the director's cut, they, they find they see the uh, assassin lying on the floor after being shot out of the window by Scotty. <laughs> Worf is there, walks up to him and says, "This is not Klingon blood." And they pull his mask off, and it's that guy, Colonel West, underneath. Oh right, that it sounds awful. <laughs> It's like the Scooby-Doo ending. I'd have got away with it if it weren't for those pesky kids. <laughs> These me- meddling Klingons. Michael Jackson's last words, by the way. Oh, my God. Um, is that legal issues at all? Is that too soon? Yeah, it's only been seven years. Um, yeah. I think they will come after us because no one's ever accused them of kidney fiddling before. No. Uh, we might, might have a visit from McCordy Culkin and Bubbles. Okay. Paul <laughs> Tolkien and Bubbles might turn up. <laughs> well, they want to interview them. They're famous. <laughs> so Bubbles, what what was Michael really really like? <laughs> I just make that. Is that no. a chicken that we I know. I know. I was kind of laughing. I kind of made chicken noises. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure the chip was much more intelligent than Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. 
At least the chimp wasn't in Home Alone. I'm still waiting to get Samuel L. Jackson on so we can ask him about his epoch-making role in Coming to America, robbing McDowell's. (laughs) I'd just love to get him on the show, ask that one question, say goodnight. (laughs) That's it. All the stuff he's done. Send him an email, he might reply. (laughs) Yeah, well, you've got quite the hit rate so far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they're all very kind of smug about saving the world. He actually says that. We've said the world once again. (laughs) That is actual um, lyrics as well. Well, we've saved the world yet again. And then then Sulu's going to look good to see you in action once again. Where he goes, we found a fragile piece. We've saved the world and, you know, found a fragile piece. It's like, yeah, it's that Superman 4 level dialogue. (laughs) I can't wait to watch Superman 4 now. Wow. Have you seen it, Becca? <laughs> no, not yet. Oh, what a treat. Um, oh. Quite an expensive film, though. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, and then, yeah, like, like you said, kind of, this is your life, really kind of weird send off where so, Sulu says, Good to see you in action one more time, Captain Kirk. Take care. It's, it's yeah. kind of like, he's off straight to the Federation nursing home. Yeah, <laughs> this contradicts what you were saying earlier about Valerius, and then something Kirk actually says in his final speech, where Uhura gets a call saying that it's gonna, they, they want to go back, they need to go back to Starfleet to be decommissioned. Mm. I guess I don't know, it's that them rather than the ship. I don't know to be honest with you. Um, probably a bit, probably a bit uh, of everything, really, to be honest. Generations isn't set very long afterwards, and they've moved on to another Enterprise. But then, having said that, the Enterprise A was only brought into service a handful of years before, so. Yeah, I think the theory is this crew are done though. Yeah, and there's the because uh... their retirement date is all think, exactly think, at the same time. I think that's what yeah, they mean. Time. I, I think that's that's what they mean. I mean the the crew really needs like mm. kind of bring in the the ship for kind of like. Having know. said that, if you hadn't had the Valeria scene where he says I'm done with this ship and I'd like you to replace me, mm. if that's if you took that one scene out, I'd assume they meant the ship. Yeah. 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 How, how many times are going to decommission the Enterprise and keep and bring it back? Then, you know. Yeah. It, 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 it just seems like such a. Like, it's just like you've it's got just a for an encore now, isn't it? They're retiring <laughs> just to make a comeback. <laughs> oh, go on then. It's like you got one last hurrah. Yeah, just like just use it. <laughs> just, a, I keep getting Red Dwarf <laughs> flashbacks tonight. Just had to say one last goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> The new season of Red Dwarf really good, by the way. It is so far, yeah. Yes, really enjoying it. But that's another podcast for another time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. But um, I, I did like this with the signatures and the, the final speech and all that. Yeah. It, it was yeah, that's lovely. really good. The, the was, to it, hell. it is a little bit emotional. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, the, the kind of the, the, the fanfare and Spock says, if, if I were human, my response would be, go to hell. I know that's, human. that's a bit next generation humour, isn't it? Well, the, it is in next. It's in first contact as well, isn't it? They rip it yeah, off in first contact. Hell with our orders. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hell with our orders. <laughs> it's like it's only been like two films, and they rip it off again. Although, although, what a, if they wanted it to be totally next generation? When he said that, you'd have got a reaction shot of a cheesy smile from Troy. That's what <laughs> yeah. you. That's what you normally get when Data says something funny. And Riker winking at her. Yeah, just before he puts um, his leg and up. Then... And, and, and intimidates Helmsman with his groin. <laughs> and then, yeah, the, the final speech is really nice and where he kind of puts in the, again, the next generation kind of when a man 
or no one has gone before yeah. is really nice. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's a beautiful flies off in a moment. shot and then we get all their signatures, mm. which I love. It's a small gesture, but someone thought of it and it's a good idea. Just so we don't have to go to the conventions and play 50 quid a head for... Uh, yeah, just yeah, take a photo of that, print it off. <laughs> you it has nice handwriting I've got Walter Koenigs. You have to have £200 to uh, have a photo with the guy who played the ja- second Jawa from the left. Peter <laughs> 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 reckon has the nicest, hand- nicest handwriting. Oh, I seem to remember James Dewan had the nicest signature. Or the shats, I can't. Yeah, I, quite like, I quite like the shats because it was quite. Um, him and him and Koenigs uh, were quite. quite they flow, um, they were they? quite legible for a start. Yeah, can't you read them? You can read what they say. was quite nice. The shats was pretty good. Yeah, nice big fanfare on his. Mm, yeah. James Dewan, brought to you by Ginster's Pasties. <laughs> James Dewan, the only one who refused to be in the Future Armor episode. Um, very very bitter. Yeah. Bear in mind, he died in 2005 and he did have Alzheimer's. Futurama didn't start till about 99. I don't know if he had health issues by then. Yeah, but he probably wasn't wasn't well enough to do it, I don't think. Very bitter about the whole thing, about the whole Star Trek thing, anyway. You know, George Takei does not like William Shatner, but he's a professional. You could not tell watching this film. Uh, you, and as Charlie said, he was man enough to admit that Star Trek V, which it would be quite easy to disavow because it's got such a poor reputation, mm. it would be quite easy to go, oh, and they gave it to that Shatner and he fucked it up. But he doesn't. He doesn't say that. And Walter Koenig doesn't say that either. James Dewan, on the other hand, yeah. So is it just purely based on Shatner? Like, that's why he, he hates Star Trek? Yeah, pretty much. The thing that, that probably gave him the most money in the career? Well, you're forgetting his role in. Um... Yeah, I'll get back to you on that. Doohan. Well, Doohan had the cameo a couple of years later. A couple of years later in um, uh, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon One, which also had Shatner in it. Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically playing like Scotty. Scotty. <laughs> yeah. a, a year later, he, he does play uh, Scotty again in the Next Generation episode. Yeah. Um, and he, popped up and he is, and he is in generations. We will see Scotty again. Oh yeah. The story behind that because we we see Scotty and Chekhov, and it shouldn't have been those two, but we'll get no. to. But yeah, it means he had to work with Shatner. Again. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Had to CGI them next to each other. He's actually really quite bad in that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you think it sold him the fact that like yeah you're gonna have to work with uh, Shatner again, but um, you get to watch him die. <laughs> yeah, there, there is a there's a line he says there that. <clears throat> Definitely sounds like the person it was written for. They're phasing in and out of the space-time continuum. Is that one? You, yeah, no, no, no. The the line that's really bad is where he says, uh, "Like you always say, if something's important enough, you take the time." The Gandalf bit, yeah. Uh, that's really shit. Yeah. Um, but Captain, is there something wrong with your chair? <laughs> that is a Spock line. Yeah. Are we done, folks? Th- oh, no, we, 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 we've, we've, we've hit the end of the film. We've not had fun facts. Hang on a minute. There are fun facts. Cry havoc and let slip the facts of fun. Come on, Carl. Check back. <laughs> 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. <laughs> That's the best bit, I think, just for the cry havoc, but at the beginning. 
Anyway, yeah, fun facts. Um, obviously, obviously, not really a fact, but it's the last Star Trek movie to feature all the original series crew. You said it's not really a fact. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's fact, but it's not really fun. <laughs> what is it? It's an old wife's tale? They actually made another set of films, but they, they, did, they didn't release them. It's a myth. They show them they they at Christmas parties. <laughs> they in all the DJs, same films, obviously they appear in separate movies, but... Well, yes, <laughs> that's called having an acting career. That's not... <laughs> That's not what I meant, I'm sorry. So not, so, so not appearing in this movie. Was <laughs> so not appearing in this film. A fair number of them came back there, did they? Because Ke- DeForest Kelly was in The, the Encounter of Farpoint. Um, that was before this, though. Oh, no. Encounter yeah, of Farpoint was, was 1980s. Yeah. No, you're right, yeah. This was this was DeForest yeah. Kelly's last acting role, I believe. When was, when was Unification, then? Unification was the following year, so obviously um, he came back. And Relics was what? Relics six. was the year after. Or it might have been the same year, but it was later that year. It was season six. I know a couple of them have been in the fan shows. Sulu was in, George Takei was a Sulu in an episode of Voyager. Voyager. Yeah, which was about... Which this. was a flashback about for um, Tuvok. Yeah, but it was actually around this film, wasn't it? Because uh, it, it retrograded him so that he was on the Excelsior when they hit that wave. Obviously, they, they looked at the box office returns, found, you know, Christian Slater hadn't tapped that parrot dollar. <laughs> it's crap, anyway. Okay, on with the factage. Obviously, this film was to come out, was to chime in time with the 25th anniversary of the series. Um, and obviously, it was very then current with the film, themes of the Cold War, etc., etc. This actually won, well, didn't win, but it was nominated a couple of Oscars for Best Makeup and Best Sound Effects. It was the only Star Trek movie to win the Saturn Award for Best Sci-Fi Film. Of 1991. Another fun fact: George Takei's autobiography, who revealed that the original script called for Captain Studio and the Excelsior crew to discover the Klingon bird of prey weakness, um, but actually Shatner was like, "No, I disagree," um, and had drafted his contract so that scene had to be rewritten. Which is quite funny because it ain't Shatner that works it out anyway. <laughs> no, it's not exactly. Which I think I is a bit ridiculous. I've done on my ship when I'm when I'm not there. <laughs> Do you know about the? Um, I don't. I'm hoping this isn't another fun fact. Um, about the the half Bennett idea. Yes. Let's come back to that. Let's finish the factage. <laughs> Obviously, this is very sad. The Jeff Roddenberry, <laughs> Gene Roddenberry, Jeff K. Final died. Yeah. <laughs> he sadly died um, before this film could come out. So this is, he, I think he, he saw the film and then died a few days later. Was it? I think the story goes. Um, and obviously the film's dedicated to him. I bet he hated. I I bet he hated it as well. I bet he's like, this isn't my fucking vision. No, he absolutely hated it. But Charlie, you have a fun fact about Kim Cattrall and Naked Pictures? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> apparently, um, Kim Cattrall, um, apparently near the end of filming, supposedly, <laughs> hired a photographer to um, slip onto the, the Enterprise Bridge when uh, it was kind of break or whatever and shoot some uh, nude photos of her wearing nothing. Well, nude photos apart from the Vulcan ears. That's still classed as naked, I'd say. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And um, word of this got back to Leonard Nimoy, who was not happy, and sadly had it destroyed. It's not um, like we haven't seen her naked elsewhere. Well, no, it. yeah, just just go watch Porky's. Um, or Masquerade. Yes. Masquerade, that's a film when she was very, was reasonably young, <laughs> about three years before this. So anyway, um, 
where to um, jerk off to game control aside. Um, yes, the pre. The oh, wasn't she the one with it? Was it mannequin? Yeah, yeah, you don't see that's a bush in that though. Given it's no, well, no, but I was just trying to think what by the film she was on around that sort of time. Yeah, that was a man- yeah mannequin, the first one. She wasn't in the the award-winning sequel. <laughs> mannequin on the move. Christy no. Swanson, aka the first Buffy. We don't see her in the Buffy either. Um, <laughs> the original idea from this film, Charlie, um, as you brought it up. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Harv Bennett kind of as a uh, as a swan song from his involvement pitched a uh, an idea that they originally could look at for Star Trek 4 which is basically um having them all or Kirk Spock and uh and McCoy at the academy staff the academy and possibly with a, a framing device with them kind of talking about it or looking back and obviously that kind of sort of happened later on with the JJ Abrams um but so that was kind of an interesting idea, um, but uh, it was not well, it was not met with good reception from the cast um, because they wouldn't have been in it exactly. Yeah. And not only that, it was the twenty fifth anniversary, and I, I think what we got was appropriate. Send them off. It, like or hate five, I don't think it was the right way to go out. This was yeah, absolutely. And it did a lot better as well. I mean, as Charlie's mentioned, 27 million budget down on last week. That's not a surprise given uh, five only did about 63 worldwide. This did a shade under 97. So although we're nearly a decade later, so we're not talking massive grosses, this more or less matched the Wrath of Khan. Yeah, it was, it was interesting seeing the um, <clears throat> the kind of hype being this. I, I remember seeing... Um, I think it was the National Enquirer. I, I, I saw it in the in the newsagent and just bought it specifically because it had this piece all about the film and how it was the last film with the original crew. Was there an element of excitement the fact that it was Nicholas Meyer returning from Rapper Khan again? Was it like, oh my god, it's going to be good. You know, it's going to be like the same guy to Khan. Was that that level of excitement, or was that that probably was? I don't know. I, I was too young at the time to really kind of get that much into that although i do I think remember you have Kate... to bear in mind the last film wasn't very successful the grosses dropped last time as well mm. and the next generation is now in its prime mm. so in some respects and as i've commented during the review despite the fact i've been very very complimentary um they're too old so i i think there was a bit of a feeling this might be a step too far and then it came up and people like star Barry trek Moore... six a step too far yeah <laughs> Um, and then, of course, and there, yes, Imp- Star Trek Six, impulse only. Um, <laughs> but then it came out. People like Barry Norman were still kind of fairly influential in this country, and he gave it a very good review. And it started getting extremely good sort of notices, um, and it's well thought of to this day. Yeah, I, I actually remember the first bit I saw of um, both Generations and First Contact was on the Barry Norman show when they used to do the uh, have the clips over the end credits um which was interesting i mean yeah i mean it was it was interesting at the uh, at, at the time of uh i'm not sure when it exactly when it was but they had the uh um the simpsons episode um each in scratching the movie which had a trailer for star trek 13 so very, so, very tired. <laughs> so very tired, yes. And that was literally, yeah, that was 19, November 1992. Mm. So not massively <laughs> um, 
long after this film, really. Yeah. Um, so you can see yeah, how their age was very much a kind of pop culture thing at that time. Yeah, definitely. So I'm glad that's it now, but they've gone out the right way. Gone out very well. And, and guys, it was Valerius what did it. <gasps> Don't say. Mystery solved. Okay. The mystery, it wasn't really a mystery. I thought it was Savit. Kirsty Alley was offered it. She said no. She's too famous by that point. Yeah, but I, I, guess... I, I don't know. But what really, what what did you what did she really have going for her? I mean, she was only really like TV actress. Well, I say only, but that's well, still that's, that's still successful. Cheers but... was the biggest show in the world at the time. Yeah. When was when was Look Who's Talking? Eighty nine, ninety. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was a massive film. That was popular. Yeah. The voice of Bruce Willis going lunch and looking at tits. The, the, the <laughs> third one, not so much. That's some subtle comedy there. The Beach Boys and Sperm. Um, oh, God. That's quite a collaboration, <laughs> collaboration album, that. you got the Velvet Underground and Nico. <laughs> <laughs> and the Beach Boys and Sperm. Was it Roseanne Barr in the second one? I don't know. Yeah, she's like the... And then there was the dogs in the third one, which is fucking awful. So I'm guessing we're not going to be taking on the Look Who's Talking series. <laughs> I don't know. You no. see, it, John no, Travolta was on such a high before Tarantino came along and ruined it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that the dogs was quite funny, though. It was terrible, but it was quite funny. Yeah, but we make allowances for your sense of humour, Becca. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Becca will like this. <laughs> Wasn't was, was those one set at Christmas? Directed Maybe. by Shane Black. Yes. No, really? No. <laughs> <laughs> Shane Black's Look Who's Talking Now. No, I know, I'm joking. <laughs> now that sounds like a film I actually want Obviously, to see. Obviously, no. I, I want to see that film Starring well. Ted Danson. <laughs> Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden. And passed by Mary Jo Slater. Tanson. Starring Jeff Roddenberry. <laughs> yeah. Exec producer Jeff K. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ almighty. Just a reminder again, this one's for you, Jeff. <laughs> rip. Huh? Yeah, not let rip. <laughs> <laughs> Although that was halfway between a fart noise and a zip being done up. <laughs> no, this sounded like. Suddenly, you know, being too maybe maybe you were just flying low all the way through the show, and you've just noticed the draft. Oh, pajamas, actually. Oh wow! There you go. So, no draft. Yeah. Well, the hot water oh. bottle and my dressing gown. So nice and tasty. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> That's a sexy That's, image. I was about to say thanks for that uh, information. <laughs> <laughs> That's gone in the spank bank, hasn't it, Chris? <laughs> You know, I was going on a holiday and then, you know, 25 degrees temperatures, come back here and it's 12 degrees. I'm like, oh god. That's a bit chilly. No. And on that bombshell! <laughs> Where can we be found on social media, people? You can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976 on Twitter, sometimes accidentally posting for the Do You Expect Us to Talk account, as I did earlier today. Accidentally. And it, just, it, it just looked like I was talking about myself in the third person. <laughs> there you go. You do that all the time, don't you, Dave? Yeah. Dave likes to talk to himself and talk about himself in the third person. But it's a bit weird when you when you're when you're doing like as as a, a podcast as a as a group thing. And, and then you it, refer to yourself. Yeah, it it, yeah. it it does it does feel a bit it's like 
God, I haven't. Particularly when it's referring to my own opinion. So sometimes I'll yeah. get, you know, I'll put something like, I think Dave thinks da 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 da. And I think, well, what do I mean? I think Dave thinks. Dave does fucking But I've got to hedge the bets because that's kind of could be any one of the three of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Cinematronics. <laughs> And you can also find this website uh, at uh, uk where this podcast is, as well as uh, my other podcasts, which I barely update, but there you go. You can find me um, at Films on Wax on Twitter, and uh, you can go to the website, which is filmsonwax.thedigitalfix.com. When he, switches, when he switches his computer off at the night, he just whacks off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, I just thought it'd been a long time since a wanking joke. Well, at least some of this episode. <laughs> see, see, see. Here, here, here's how naive I am. I, I was thinking Karate Kid, so I was thinking every time he goes on computer, he goes like, wax on, <laughs> wax on. You've got a very clean screen. Um, no, you can find me at RV Movies. You can see, find us on Twitter at Expect Us to Talk on Facebook.com slash. Expect us to talk, and if you really want to, you can send us an email. Expect us to talk at gmail dot com, and also on YouTube and on the iTunes. So search for us via um, Do you Expect us to Talk on and, iTunes and Stitcher as well. And Stitcher as well. And li- and leave us good uh, a nice five star review because uh, it gets us higher up in the rankings. So the more good reviews we get, the the more we can reach more people. We get. Yeah. Because obviously we want to reach more people. Our quality. I mean, to be fair, at, at very least four stars. Because I think there's four of us at the moment, and we're all at least one star podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> That's only fair. Four stars makes sense. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm really missing salon quality hair and well maintained pecs. What can we do about that, Becca? Do you expect to talk over ten with Star Trek colon generation? No. <laughs> when you, when I said when I said saloon quality, saloon quality hair. No, no, sorry, not like a bar. Um, when I said salon quality hair, you thought I meant Patrick Stewart <laughs> or Wolf. Um, also, there's no colon in generations. But it's the way I bloody wrote it. <laughs> no, Star I don't. Star I don't generations that. coming soon. Spoiler alert. <laughs> But in the meantime, I'd like to have better salon quality hair than Patrick Stewart, which means Becca. We will return with Star Trek Generations. For fuck's sake. It's so much. Becca, we're we're doing the Rafa Khan commentary. Rafa Khan commentary. There we are. All right. Obviously, for a clean edit, because I'm leaving none of this in. <laughs> with Charlie giggling like a schoolgirl. <laughs> I want salon quality hair, damn it, which means Becca. You, you can do it, it's fine. <laughs> Chris, you do it because you, you're going to be the cold open <laughs> next week. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, hang on. I'm sorry, I've got, I've got tears in my eyes for laughing. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so, so, uh, next. So ne- next week is Rafa Khan commentary. <laughs> <laughs>